0: Welcome to Pigskins and Pageantry, a podcast dedicated to all things SEC football. My name is Wes and I'd like to invite you to join me, Jesse and Matt each week as we discuss last week's games, news from around the league, make predictions for the upcoming games and much, much more. And what's up everybody, it's Wes. Welcome to season six of Pigskins and Pageantry. Part of me is like, Like, is this real life? Like, I guess time flies when you're having fun, but uh, we made it through the long, grueling, hot summer off season. Let's be honest, we're in the Southeast, so it's still hot, but the uh, off season's over and football is back. Um, If this is your first time joining us, we like to mix up the viewpoints here. Uh, We like to demonstrate that the different fandoms can have a conversation, enjoy some good banter, yet remain friends at the end of the evening. We'll see, but you know, that's the intent. Um, in that spirit, we've got me, the Georgia fan, Jesse, the Alabama fan, okay. and, and Matt, the Tennessee fan, who is in high demand and couldn't join us tonight. But we have another Vol for Life ready to step in in his absence, uh, who we'll introduce in a moment. But first off, Jesse, how are you? How was your off season without football?
1: Uh, you know, it's a little, always grueling, but um, I've already started to get a little bit of football at work, which is really fun um and you know even though it was like middle schoolers and it was only flag whatever we'll take it (laughs) uh the parents are just as intense as sec fans so it's a good little kickoff to to starting uh starting our next season but so far so good and the revenge tour is about to begin
0: oh gosh here we go starting already so um, as I mentioned before, uh, we have a guest in from Matt. Uh, he's a good friend from work. Somebody I've been able to have spirited but respectful conversations about football with, or on the water cooler. Uh, just kidding. There is no water cooler in our office. Anyway, um, Grant, welcome to the show. How was your off season?
2: Thanks, Wes. Thanks for having me. Uh, off season was uh, long. You know, um, as a Tennessee fan, diehard ball. Uh, baseball was a little underwhelming for us I know uh, we expected big things and we did fairly well you know won the SEC but uh, couldn't bring home uh, you know the trophy there but uh, in any case otherwise you know been looking forward to football since uh, for a little longer than uh, you guys have at least Um, but yeah no uh, it's been good I'm ready I'm ready to get it started again.
0: I hear you. Well, hey, um, speaking of getting started, let's just go ahead and get right into it. We'll uh, talk about uh, each team's news. Here's the news. <laughs> All right. So uh, so I'm going to go through each one of these uh, teams in their offseason. I'll try to uh, summarize the state of each team as well as kind of note key positions to look for. Um, trust me, names will be mispronounced. So I apologize beforehand, uh, but some of these names I've only read. Uh, about at this point, and uh, so uh, certainly we'll hear more as the season unfolds. But uh, first off, let's start off with uh, Vanderbilt, the uh, Commodores. They went 2-10 and 10 last year, 0-8 uh, uh, in the conference. Uh, you know, this is uh, being recorded after their first game, so things are a little bit more optimistic. We can talk about that later as well. But uh, at SEC Media Day's head coach, Clark Lee, with a bold statement, said – we know that in time, Vanderbilt football will be the best program in the country. <laughs> um, Jesse, you shouldn't laugh. Um, <laughs> you all
1: wanted to. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, don't do that. I'm just doing what everybody else is thinking.
2: That's true. That's true. Coach I Lee's think you meant like best academically.
0: Yeah.
1: You and they know, are. They're so they, good. They are.
2: Yeah. And they they are
0: winning That's in so terms hard. of uh, city location as well. Their city yeah. is wonderful.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Uh, Coach Lee's first year wasn't spectacular, but I think the hope is uh, for him to use his defensive expertise to build a team uh, with a tough uh, physical identity, uh, hopefully be reflected on the offensive side of the ball as well. Um, They're hoping that uh, their three returning starters on the offensive line will help with with stability, allowing Rocco Griffin to break some runs. And uh, we saw some of that in the uh, game this past weekend, Um, and they hope to see more of uh, Temple transfer Raymond Davis, who uh, missed a lot of time due to injury. Uh, Mike Wright and Ken Seals battled it out for the quarterback position in the off season um, sounded like Seals was kind of trending to start, but Mike Wright got the start against Hawaii and uh, he showed out four total touchdowns, uh, two passing, two rushing. Um, and we can talk more about that game uh, in a little bit, but uh, defense for Vanderbilt has a experienced group. Uh, they had two fumble uh, re- uh, returns for touchdowns in that game. Um, and so yeah, uh, though the defense was pretty awful a year ago, it should be better this year, uh, as we've al- already kind of seen. It's
1: not going to get much worse. Yeah, yeah r-
0: right, exactly. So, um, so Jesse, I would like to start with you. Um, obviously, we've kind of talked a little bit about this, but how does Vanderbilt win a game in the conference this this year?
1: <laughs> that, that's a great question, and I think that's the question Coach Lee is probably asking himself, because, unfortunately, Vanderbilt is in the SEC. That's, that's tough. They're a very tough academic school. They're they're not a program. That's one of the SEC juggernauts. And the SEC just continually keeps getting better programs that, you know, have touted. It's our year, Georgia. They finally got one. There's very few SEC programs that haven't had either a national championship uh, show or one one in recent years. So Vanderbilt is still in that group where it's not looking so great. It's not an impossible situation to win an SEC game for them, but they need to find their role and their niche in the SEC. And I don't know what that is, but we've got to find it. And it it needs to trend past athletic or past academics into athletics, um, specifically football. They're great at baseball. I think you hit a good point. Defense tends to be Coach Lee's, you know, bread and butter. I think he can do that there. Um, He's also historically a decent recruiter. It's just still very hard to recruit at Vanderbilt. Again, not impossible, but still kind of difficult. They're not going to trend and be amazing overnight. It's going to be something you have to build at, and they're going to get better. This is a great start, winning by such a large margin this past weekend. Uh, but going into the SEC, I think a big thing for them is they have to believe that they can do it because right now nobody thinks they can.
0: And Mindset, yeah.
1: doubt that they think they can. So they've got to believe they can do it. They've got to be strong on defense because everybody just blew them out of the water. Um, and for me, I think you've got to establish wholeheartedly who your quarterback is. You've got to know who's, who's the guy at the helm of this. Um, and for me, those are kind of the three keys right there. There's obviously a lot more. Um, but I'd start with those three. I can't bite off too much.
0: Mike Wright uh, certainly made his case last weekend. Uh, Grant, I know uh, Vanderbilt's kind of Tennessee's little brother of sorts. Well, what are your thoughts on their chances this year?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, um, Jesse hit on some key points there. You know, they've, they've got to pretty much fix everything. Um <laughs> Fix it yeah, up. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and you see that for, yeah, you see that first game against Hawaii and, you know, you wonder just how bad is Hawaii or maybe did Vanderbilt get a little bit better, right? Because just on top of everything, it's pretty much a whole culture shift for them, you know, like like you guys talked about the mentality aspect. Um, they've really got to start believing in themselves, believing they can win. And I think that's what uh, Clark Lee is trying to go in and do for them. Um, I mean, it's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of losses, but uh, I mean, they've already had their win total from last year. So, you know, they got to be feeling good about that. And they've got a, a good matchup against uh, Elon this week. Um, so, yeah. you know, we'll talk about that later, but yeah, I just, they just, you know, got, they've got to get some recruits in there and get them coached up. And, you know, I'm interested to see what Clark Lee, you know, if he sticks around, how he's going to do in about year four.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it's not impossible. Look at uh, what uh, Franklin did there um he really had them headed in the right direction and then he was like peace out but you know uh, up until that point he he got them yeah. going um and so I, I had a bit of a problem with clark lee saying that at first but then i thought about it and i was like but you know in order to win you have to believe that you can win first and you have to have that kind of swagger mm-hmm. first so yeah. maybe his players listen to that and they're like huh, maybe it's possible maybe not now uh, his, his players like that. him
2: you know everything i've read is that Clark Lee, you know, he's a fan favorite. Uh, there, there are fans of Vanderbilt, and they did like the their uh, <laughs> They're so um, So, <laughs> believe it or not, I mean, as a Tennessee fan, I've got to, you know, kind of bash yeah. on him a little bit there. But, um, no, uh, I, I think it's a good hire. I think it's a good fit for Vanderbilt. And, again, I think if you know, they just give them time. And, I mean, especially with this whole NIL thing now um, – you know, if if they can pay pay a little money and get some big names in there, especially you know, kind of the the key um, skill positions, quarterback, running yep. back, if they can get some of those guys in and and kind of gel together, then they they have a shot at starting to win some games. And then obviously, you guys know that that translates to you know better recruiting and more wins. So I mean, it's just going to be a process.
0: Yeah. Well, the pockets aren't empty up there, so nil is possibility for them. So, mm-hmm. um. All right, let's move on to Texas A&M. Uh, last year, they were eight and four overall, four and four in the conference, including a surprise win against Alabama. And I think we all remember that. Some of us more than others. Uh, A&M's, it's but see, that's the thing is like they'll they'll have that breakthrough win, right, and then just lose to, to people that they shouldn't.
1: Oh, we'll talk about it.
0: But anyway, their uh, A&M's patience has got to be growing thin. Uh, they keep getting talent and paying coaches and paying coaches, and getting talent, (laughs) Uh, but uh, so far that hasn't translated to a championship. Um, Haynes King has won the starting quarterback job over LSU transfer Max Johnson, and five-star recruit Connor Wigman. Jalen Weidermeyer is in the NFL now, so receiving core is going to look a little bit different. They're going to have to step it up. Uh, Ania Smith uh, did lead the team last year with 47 catches, and six scores. So we'll see if that continues. Uh, five-star wide receiver Evan Stewart will need to get involved early uh, with Isaiah Spiller gone, you know, one of their uh, great running backs in recent memory. They will likely look to uh, speedster uh, Devon Kane. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly to continue production on the ground. Uh, his nine touchdowns and 910 yards led the team last year. Uh, O-line should be solid as well. a uh, and was 7-0 and last year when it allowed fewer than 20 points and one and four when it didn't Um, they lost just about all their defensive stars from last year Uh, enter the ridiculous a&m recruiting class which is full of five stars on defense Uh, they're talented but young obviously Uh, so we'll see how things go Uh, secondary is the one portion that should remain solid with returning starters so you know that's kind of where a&m is right now Uh, grant i'll start with you this time Uh, what are your expectations for a&m can can Jimbo get uh, breakthrough wins? Can he not lose to people he's not supposed to lose to? What do you What do you think? Huh.
2: Well, that's the big question, Mark, and kind of touching back on that NIL thing. This is one school that is not in short supply of uh, money. So, um, yes, they put together a great recruiting class, but like you said, they are young. I think uh, Devin A. Chain is one of the best running backs in the league. Um, the guy is super fast, super elusive. Uh, looking at their schedule, it sets up uh, pretty well for them. You know, obviously they play at Alabama. Um, that's going to be a tough one. But, you know, Texas A&M, I don't know if you guys have heard the moniker for them of Texas 8-4. and four. Uh, it's pretty funny over the last few decades their average win-loss ratio is like Uh, 8.1 and 3.9 win loss um and if you break it down into different decades it's eight and four pretty much every decade for the last five so uh can they get past eight and four yeah so I definitely see uh at least nine wins on their schedule I think they're going to be tough um no doubt about that Jimbo's a great coach um they do need to improve offensively I was looking it up earlier they um I think they averaged somewhere around 390 yards per game last season, which was uh bottom third of the SEC. So uh, if they can step it up offensively, which I think they're going to be able to do with Haynes King, um, you know, he's promising they've got good backups. Uh, like I said, A chain's a beast. If they can step it up offensively, I think defense is going to help them out. Um, I definitely see them winning nine or 10 games at least.
0: Okay. Um, Jesse, I, I know I don't need to ask what you think about Jimbo, um, but, uh, we 2022 are
1: 2022, and I still hate Jimbo Fisher.
0: <laughs> it's it's same.
1: There's
0: <laughs> no, there's no doubt there. And it's it's only going to get better, uh, as the show goes along, by the way, I, I cannot...
1: as the summer went on and he I, argued with our Lord and savior. I campaign. cannot
0: wait. Oh, we're going to get into that. <laughs> we're going to get into that. And I cannot wait. Um, yeah. So his, his numbers are very, uh, Kevin Sumlin esque um meanwhile he's getting paid a lot more money <laughs> so um i'm not i'm not a i'm not necessarily um an adherent to that being you know listening to kirby smarts mark rick 2.0 for so many years you know i'm not saying that about the guy uh but you know especially when you're paying him all this money uh, and you're an a&m fan you have to be wondering uh when are we going to break through what, what are your thoughts in the state
1: Jesse? of texas you're a program that didn't have a, a national championship in your previous conference. You don't have a national championship <laughs> in your current conference or even showing up in one in your current conference. And you play football in the state of Texas and people still think of UT over you. Mm-hmm. Mm, and look at the state of that program. Right. Um, Jim Fisher, yeah. as far as records, it's fine. Nationally, it's fine. He's 34 and 14 with three big bowl wins in four seasons. He only has one year so far with fewer than four losses. That's fine. Except he plays in the sec where it's not fine. Um, And guess what their, uh, their record was last year, (laughs) eight four. So that is 23 out of the last 26 years. Going back to Grant's point where uh, they've had four or more losses. Um, If you lose four or more at LSU, at Georgia, at Florida, at Auburn, Um, people start looking up Hugh Freeze's number or anybody else that's available that's previously coached in the SEC. So Jimbo Fisher has a very large price tag with not that much to back it up with. Now, the win against Bama last year helped him so much. But this year you're going into another season and you're going to have to do better than eight and four. They have talent, they have athleticism, and they've got depth now that they've brought in so many recruits that are highly touted, but they don't have consistency and and haven't. And until they do that, they're going to hang out in the sec with Ole Miss Kentucky and Vandy because they haven't shown up in a national championship either. And they lost almost all of their defensive starters. So Somebody's gonna to have to show up for Jimbo Fisher this season, or he might want to start looking at—I don't know—just like some time in Florida or something.
0: Well, he's already lived in Florida for a little while, so uh, he's a little inconsistent there as well. So uh, we'll we'll see if he gets over that hump this year. So, um, all right, let's talk about those Tennessee Volunteers, shall we? Um, yeah. Last yeah, baby. year, last year they were seven to six overall, four we're and back. four in the conference. There you go. Grant's like, I'm ready to get hurt again. Um,
1: (laughs) Where's that sound clip? (laughs) Every year.
0: (laughs) Right. I need that one. We're rebuilding. Tennessee. Okay. (laughs) They they had their fireworks on offense last year. Expect more of the same this year with Hendon Hooker. A lot of those puzzle pieces back. O-line hopes that they can pass protect better. Uh, They blocked well for the run game, but they allowed 44 sacks. That's 3.4 per game, the most in the SEC. Uh, so they're going to have to do a better job of protecting uh, him. The uh, real question though, is will the defense get better? And I know, uh, you know, Vols fans are really mulling that same question last year. They gave up 500 or more overall yards uh, in five of the last 10 games. So um, I I'll get out of order here because I want to go ahead and get with you Grant on Tennessee. What are your, what are your thoughts on the Vols this year?
2: Well. Oh. Well, you know, I I do I, I do this every year. I kind of put on those orange sunglasses and I start thinking, this is going to be the year, man. Like we're going to beat Bama finally. But uh, so, what do I really think? You know, I do kind of take a step back. I know I'm new here, but uh, I do consider myself a very realistic Tennessee fan. Um, but on that same note, I think we're going to be good. You know, I really do. I mean, not like great, not a playoff contender or, or even an SEC contender, really. Um, but I think we're going to win at least, at least eight games. You know, I'm actually thinking nine and three. Um, but, you know, we're looking at the uh, stats from last year of the sacks and uh, how many per game and whatnot. Well, with Heupel's offense, a lot of the uh, a lot of the plays were designed, you know, quarterback keepers, quarterback runs, things like that. And so, I mean, a lot of times, yeah, the offensive line wasn't great, but you know, we could call it the backfield, whatever. But that so that does contribute to the number of sacks and things like that. Um, yeah, defense is a huge question mark. Uh, we do have a little bit more depth this year. Um, specifically in the secondary Uh, seems, you know, reading from practice reports, kids are stepping up, ready to go. The offensive line looks like they're going to be actually improved from last year. Um, We do have a a couple of question marks. We've only got two really kind of tried running backs uh, and Jabari, small and Lenneth Whitehead. Both of them are kind of battling some little um, fall camp injuries, but uh, wide receiver wise, we're going to be really good. You know, we got Tillman, we got the transfer brew McCoy, um, I think, you know, hitting a hooker, I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the conference, not trying to be biased there. But, um, so, yeah, looking at our schedule, you know, I think it's definitely possible we could head into the Florida week uh, undefeated, which that would be huge. And if we could beat them, uh, roll into the LSU game at LSU. But, you know, we'll talk about LSU a little bit later. But, yeah, I really think this could be a really good season. And I know um, Jesse kind of dinged Texas A&M for being the eight and four. But, hey, if we can go eight and four, I'm all about it, you know, because being a balls fan, I, you guys have dealt with Matt for the last, you know, five seasons. But for me, all my life, I mean, it's been tough. Uh, but I think uh, I think Heiple's a good coach, I think the team loves him. The culture's changing, so yeah, I'm thinking eight or nine wins regular season. Hey, maybe even a New York uh, New Year's six game. So yeah, we'll see.
0: Well, you make an interesting point there with uh, some of the games that they get started against. They definitely have the opportunity to get rolling early. Uh, you're going to face Pitt uh, mm-hmm. without Kenny Pickett. Um, so should have a better chance there um if you can get into Florida you know at three and o and then manage to pull off a win against them uh things are looking good manage, right yeah, yeah, so uh yeah, wow, yeah, it's definitely possible uh, what do you think jesse
1: um it's twenty twenty two and I still hate Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I'm at um no, but I mean, I think. Let's bring us back to last season. Right. There's been in the. You're past required to hate years, them
0: though. Right. I mean, that's like a, it's just a thing. Yeah. You, I'm you bred to hate, yeah. I have to, hate yeah. them. it's,
1: it's yeah. fine. Everyone, no one expects me to like them as a Bama fan. Right. Um, but you know, last season and going back several years, you guys have had a lot of turnover at the coaching position. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's been a lot. There's been so much hype, uh, for these coaches coming in and then it's kind of deflated. Then you get highball. And I think everyone probably wanted more than a seven and six season, but that's great for a rebuilding year. That's not bad. Yeah. Um, look at Vanderbilt. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it would have been nice to be more competitive against Georgia, against Alabama, against Florida, against Ole Miss, and probably Purdue. But
2: whoa, 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 whoa. Not the Ole Miss game now. That- the mustard okay. gate. I remember that game. That was, a very
0: mustard close gate. Game. I was uh I was watching that That's game right. with Matt. That was that was something.
1: It was it was, <laughs> I was at that
0: game. Yeah, Ooh. I remember. Yeah, you were telling me did about you
1: your yeah. head injury. Were you okay? Were you no? I sh- look,
2: I, I no, no, I, it was just a golf ball, but no, I uh, no, I didn't <laughs> throw anything. A- um, and it did seem it was mostly just kind of students from the student section, not entirely, but um, yeah, that if was you had thrown anything a, oh. from
0: your section, um I think it probably would have killed someone from that high up. Because I remember you had the you, you sent me pictures where you were at. So I was a bit up there.
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was nice. It wasn't. I've wasn't got a nice. decent arm, but I'm not Joe Milton here. You so. <laughs> know.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, I think seven six is not. It's not bad for a rebuilding year. It's certainly not. um The offensive attack is good. And I think now the program has something to build upon. And that's the biggest thing in a rebuilding year, right? Is changing the culture in the locker room and finding something to build a program on because as a a coach coming in, it's difficult. It doesn't matter. It takes coaches years to do that. Um, And I think, I think he's kind of found his, his cornerstone. He's found his guys and he's, he's building around that. So it'll be interesting to see how they do. It's possible to go into Florida undefeated for sure. I think Florida will be the one mm-hmm. to really test their season. It's either one where they go in, they win and they start to really trend upward or it's one where if they lose, that's where you find out where the players are and and test their resolve.
2: Mhm. Yeah,
0: for sure. Um and that game's at home, isn't it? Against Florida? Yeah, this is yeah. Uh yeah, correct, yeah. So that's uh, that's cool. I mean, that's an added advantage there.
2: Um like
1: the swap is not easy.
2: Yeah. Speaking you know, of nothing else, we went seven and six, but at least the offense is fun to watch, you know? And so yeah. we haven't had that in a while either. So yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, sorry, Wes.
0: No, you're fine. No doubt. Um, speaking of teams that have something to build upon, we talk about South Carolina Gamecocks last year went seven and six overall, three and five in the conference. Uh, before that, they went to combine six and 16 in the two years prior. So there's some optimism there. Right. Um, add to that a blowout win against Florida and soundly beating North Carolina in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Um, expectations are up. Uh, offense should be much better under Spencer Rattler. Look, he's not perfect, right? We we understand that, but let's not forget that last year we were watching them be led by Luke Doty, who you know is a decent quarterback. But then uh, when he was not able to do so, we had Jason Brown, a transfer from FCS school St. Francis. Uh, and who has now since transferred to to Virginia Tech, um, and uh, let's not forget graduate assistant Zeb Noland. I mean, what a story, right? He was, you know, going over the the plays, writing, you know, the X's and O's one week. Next week, he's, you know, starting quarterback. Um, but yeah, regardless, this should be a step up uh, at that position. Receiving core should be solid with returning starters. Uh, Van, Joyner, and Bell alongside with uh, Oklahoma transfer uh, tight end Austin Stogner and James Madison transfer Antoine Wells. O-line is experienced but does need improvement. Uh, the defense was actually number one pass defense in the SEC. Uh, we'll uh, need to maintain that pressure if they want to improve their record. Um, also, is a fun little bit of news. They just chose a new name for their live mascot going with the general over cock commander.
1: Thank God.
0: <laughs> I was I was just waiting. I was like, really? Is that really in the running? But hey, it's South There's Carolina, connection. so you never know. Right? So, um all right, uh Jesse, what do you think about South Carolina? Um are you are you buying in to them being on the rise?
1: Yes, I was last year. We all know last year. You get year. to live was, it, don't you? Yeah, I I live in the state. Um and I'm telling you when I first moved here, you couldn't find a Carolina fan. You couldn't find one Clemson everywhere, Carolina fan in hiding. (laughs) They started to peek their heads up just a little bit last year. Um, And now that we're, we're going into a new season, they're around and they seem pleasant (laughs) and happy and optimistic. It's good to see Um, because I'm tired of seeing Clemson people, (laughs) (laughs) but I think like I was, I was talking about with Tennessee, the thing that had to happen at South Carolina was a locker room change. It was a mentality change in that locker room and he did it. I mean, I was saying it last year. I was like, it's happening. I really think he did it when they beat Auburn Mm. life JJ for me. And it was great. Um, (laughs) But, but seriously, he's building a program there. He got a very big name in Spencer Rattler to transfer, which again, I'm not necessarily sold on him, but that's a big transfer for them to get. And someone that previously I don't think they would have gotten now. Are they going to beat Georgia? No. Are, are they going to beat Texas A&M or Clemson? Probably not, but they're good enough where they might be able to upset one of them. And I think the program's on the rise. Um, it's it's something where like the South Carolina Clemson game might actually be a game this year.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: that would be. Uh, so unfortunately, um, I made the call that it would be a game last year. And it was not. <laughs> so that, that didn't work out for me for the pick on last year. Um uh Grant, what are your thoughts on South Carolina?
2: Yeah, I uh I totally agree with Jesse. I think South Carolina's on the rise. I really like uh Shane Beamer. Um, you know, I think getting Spencer Rattler was absolutely huge. Uh things that I've read are that Rattler, um you know, he had a lot of growing up to do a lot of maturing to do, uh, especially on the sidelines in the locker room, but you know, Beamer can kind of mentor him there. And, um, I mean, rather was a very highly regarded uh, quarterback coming out of high school. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I think he might be the missing piece that they kind of need. Um, I do think that they're going to be better this year. Like I said, I mean, not significantly now, Jesse, you said, Oh, they're not going to beat Georgia. I don't know. You know, I'm not sold that, uh, Georgia's going to walk all over South Carolina this year. Um, I think Georgia does drop one, may or may not be South Carolina. We'll see. But uh, in South Carolina, in any case, I think South Carolina's looking at about exactly it, it has it has, and so, uh, um, but yeah, I think South Carolina's looking at about another seven and five season um, and with a bowl win get eight. Um, but yeah, but I think the product on the field is going to look better than when they started last year. Uh, yeah, they they worry me as far as being a Tennessee fan on the schedule.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Um, they are one of those kind of wild card, especially how they've looked recently. Um, I think, I, I agree. I think that they uh, have everything to be optimistic about this year.
1: And I don't think the South Carolina fans are going to boo Spencer Rattler from the stadium. Oh when gosh. He the field. So that'll that be an embarrassing for him. That hurt. Yeah. Know, that was rough.
0: Yeah, because at the end of the day, I mean, these are kids. I mean, regardless of, I know they're, you know, highly hyped and uh now they can get paid millions of dollars. Uh, but still at the end of the day, I mean, it's uh
2: it's just it's They're babies. Yeah. See, and that... Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, that's true too, you know, talking about Spencer uh Rattler needing to mature a bit, and whatnot. I mean, last year he was he's what 19 years old, you know, mm-hmm. so, uh, not knocking 19 year olds, but when you have, you know, all this cloud and every, all these fans, everybody just looking at you to be the, the savior. And, you know, if you underwhelm a little bit, I mean, college football fans, I mean, we're, we're rabid, you know, we are animals and, uh, <laughs> yes, if that doesn't fly, Hey kids, sorry, <laughs> you know, so I think right. South Carolina is going to embrace him with a whole other light and, you know, give him that opportunity to grow.
0: Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about Ole Miss. Uh, Lane Kiffin entering his third season as Ole Miss head coach. Uh, last year they went ten and three overall, six and two in the SEC. Obviously, uh, Matt Corral is gone, um, and though I was uh, pretty impressed, honestly, with uh, Luke Altmeyer's performance uh, in being thrown mm-hmm. in to that bowl game. Um, He, uh, you know, it's not a foregone conclusion. He'll be the starter. Uh, Jackson Dart didn't transfer to Ole Miss from USC for no reason. Um, I think that it may be more likely that he gets a starting job. But, you know, Lane's playing things close to the vest right now. He's not going to give anything away just yet. Uh, running backs uh, essentially starting over with transfers Zach Evans from TCU and Ulysses Bentley from SMU. By the way, uh, Lane Kiffen is like the transfer portal king. He's like, just like yes. got people from everywhere. Um, receiving core uh, also benefited from the transfer portal. Uh, likely be an almost all new look with Jordan Watkins from Louisville, uh, Malik Heath from Mississippi State, uh, Jalen Robinson from UCF, and Michael Trigg from uh, USC. All right, last year's Ole Miss defense was the best since 2014, but the bad news is that that was still 97th overall in the nation. But, hey, you know, baby steps, right? Um, they will <laughs> They'll certainly have to improve. A key transfer on defense likely linebacker Troy Brown Sr., who they hope will keep the defense anchored. All right, um, so, I, uh, Grant, I know as a Tennessee fan uh, you have uh, – You have feelings about Lane Kiffin, maybe bad, maybe good, maybe what could have been with Lane. I don't know. But what are your thoughts on Ole Miss?
2: Well, once again, you know, being at that game last year and just watching Lane Kiffin troll from the sideline and repeatedly – fake injuries over and over, you know, going into that game, I didn't really mind Lane Kiffin. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, there's a lot of Tennessee fans that are still bitter and jaded about him departing in the night, but you Mm -hmm. know, I'm past that, you know, I'm growing up now. And so, uh, I, I've forgiven Lane. I decided, Hey, you know, he's, he's all right. He's not that bad. And then last year happened. And so now, no, I can't stand Lane Kiffin, (laughs) but the fact (laughs) remains, yeah, no, the fact remains is he is, uh, he is a good coach. He's doing a good job at Ole Miss. And like you said, you know, he, um, He's all over that transfer portal. He got some really key pieces uh, in the offseason. Um, to me, uh, kind of like you said, Jackson Dart didn't transfer for nothing. Um, I think that's going to be your starter. He is keeping it close to the vest. But uh, at the end of the day, neither Jackson Dart um, nor Luke Altmyer are really mobile quarterbacks. And so that's kind of what he depended on Corral for last year, you know, his legs. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why I got Zach Evans, right, who was I, I want to say it was a high four star, five star coming out of high school. He did decent at TCU. I want to say he had an injury problem. I can't remember. But, um, I, you know, I think he got some really good pieces to keep the offense going. And uh, but like you kind of pointed out, their defense was, even though it was better, it was still pretty bad. And that definitely needs to improve this year. Um, I do think Ole Miss is going to have a really strong season. I mean, even looking at their schedule, uh, they don't really have any stiff out of conference games. Um, the West actually for the first time in a long time, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, but for the first time in a long time, it's not completely stacked top to bottom. There are some winnable games in the West there. And then they draw Kentucky and Vanderbilt in the East. So I do think they're looking at another, you know, nine plus win season. Um, but yeah, I mean, as much as I would like Lane Kiffin to choke against Troy and Georgia Tech and everybody else, but, uh, you know, I'll save my golf balls for later.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Jesse, I know you also have uh, feelings for uh, Lane Kiffin as uh, as his history with Alabama uh, has gone. So uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Ole Miss?
1: Oh, Lane, um, if I can say one thing about Lane Kiffin, it is that The state of college football right now with transfer portal madness and all of this NIL stuff, there is no coach better suited to all of that madness than Lane Kiffin at all. If you are a player that wants to benefit from the transfer portal and you want to benefit from NIL, that's your coach right there. That's the guy that has no issues with it. Loves it, is going to take advantage of it and troll everybody else. That's your guy. Um, And some players are going to absolutely love that. And they are going to go, as we've seen in the transfer portal, they're going to go there. And that's fine. Um, He does well. I mean, I think he does well with quarterbacks. He's a brilliant offensive mind. He was at Bama. He's always been as a coordinator. And he is, for the most part, as a head coach, if he can keep himself in check. um he's
0: getting older he's getting better about that he's he's matured a a little bit
1: a little bit a little (laughs) bit Uh, as much as Link can mature Uh, but one 10 10 game i thought that
2: too until last year
1: (laughs) i mean i'm always going to think he's a troll it just it is what it is but he embraces it he
2: knows what he's doing
1: oh he doesn't know it.
2: fresh water i mean
1: absolutely he does it and he loves it um but i think this this year's craziness with all the introductions of you know NIL and all that. It'll be interesting to see how his program develops um, and how his players do. Because as a coach that does encourage that and loves it and loves attention, it'll be interesting to see how he can get his players to focus um, on Saturdays. Because that's a lot going on. That's a lot of ego. Because a lot of money is fueling these guys, and he is also someone that has a large ego. And I just want to know who's going to keep all of the ego down there in check who's assigned to that job but um yeah it'll be it'll be an interesting season for them for sure
0: it is a funny dynamic isn't it isn't it because if you look at lane you just assume that there would be no discipline that everybody would just be running amok down there right um but somehow it works i don't know why or how but they they love him they respect him and it, it's and it like works a
1: fraternity president. Like <laughs>
2: I was going to say he, they're bros, you know, yeah, yeah they that's
1: identify it. with him. It's that's basically a it. weird bond and camaraderie, but yeah, you're right. It works. And when he got asked on ESPN about the Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher stuff, he was like, I talked about popcorn with Nick Saban before, but I am grabbing my popcorn for this. <laughs> like it's, he can be funny sometimes. Oh know, yeah. Yeah.
0: Some yeah. uh, Sometimes it lands, sometimes it doesn't, but yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on to uh, Missouri and uh, the Missouri Tigers last year finished six and seven, three and five in the conference. Hmm. Uh, Connor Bazalak has moved on to Indiana. So last year's number two, Brady Cook battled it out with uh, Tyler Macon, four-star recruit, Sam Horn. And although they didn't get JT Daniels through the portal, they did get Jack Abraham from Mississippi state. So That battle ensued for the quarterback position, and uh, Mizzou has announced that Brady Cook is QB1. Uh, The leading yardage receiver, Toski Dove, is back, and and let's expect to see five-star recruit Luther Burden to get involved early and often. Uh, Defense was the second worst overall in the SEC, dead last against the run. Uh, I remember seeing them get run upon (laughs) so bad last year. Uh, Transfer portal should help somewhat adding players like uh, Tyron Hopper from Florida, who at linebacker, they expect to step in as a team's leading tackler. So um, Jesse uh, Mizzou, coach, coach Drinkwitz. What are
1: your thoughts? This program has got to get better and they've got to get better fast um, for coach Drinky's job and for the (laughs) players. Uh, This, I mean, in the East, let's just think about it. Florida, potentially about to to get better. Tennessee, already getting better, dangerous on on offense. South Carolina, getting some momentum. Kentucky, kind of solid for Kentucky. Georgia just won a natty. Then there's Mizzou. (laughs) Um, Yeah, ever since 2014, when they lost the SEC championship to Alabama, Mm. just mediocre. That's the best thing you can say about them mediocre and they're in the sec and you can't do that and i know you gotta play in the sec you're gonna get losses it happens but it's bad and you've been in a rut and you gotta get out of it and if i were you i'd be getting a new coach quickly i'd be accepting resumes put it on linkedin
0: um Grant Mizzou has been uh, mediocre for quite a while, uh, but could it be due to the fact that Coach Drinkwitz is still trying to win the Sun Belt title?
2: Uh, you know, possibly. I mean, that's the thing about Missouri. I mean, they're that. They, you know, they've got to win the games that they're supposed to win, especially like the out-of-conference games. Looking at their schedule coming up, Louisiana Tech, Kansas State. I wouldn't give. I wouldn't say either one of those is a gimme from Missouri. And if you're going to compete in the SEC, you absolutely have to win those. Uh, And then moving into SEC play, you know, you've got to win, you know, the games like Vanderbilt, which, I mean, I want to say they even struggled with last year. I mean, I can't remember exactly the score, but, um, yeah, Drinkwitz, he's got to make some changes. And like you said, there are some key additions on the transfer portal, but, um, yeah, defensively they were terrible. I remember any game I watched with them, teams just ran all over them. And so hopefully uh, Hopper coming in from Florida, I mean – I would expect him to be the leading tackler because there weren't many of those last season. Everybody's um, getting straight
0: through that line, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, you know, and
2: and, and basilac wasn't that bad, and, and now he's gone. Um, yeah, I, I, if you're Missouri, I, I'm going to have to agree with Jesse here. Um, yeah, if, if you don't at least <laughs> – you know, win the games that you're supposed to win, not even necessarily hit six wins, because that's going to be tough with the with the schedule they have. But um, if they don't win, at least the games they are supposed to win and make some of the other toss ups a, a bit competitive. Yeah. Drinkwitz has got to go. I think uh, they haven't that's really the been thing. relevant. They have, since talent.
1: They have athletes uh, yeah. there. They've had athletes there. He, it's like when they get there, they're good. And then they regress. I don't mm-hmm. know how he's It's like they're good
2: it. as individuals, but they don't play it well matters. together as a team. Yeah, which is I, the coach's, you know, fault. Absolutely, yeah, it, he
1: doesn't develop talent. We've said it for seasons; he does not develop you talent. Go. He can yeah. get it. They can transfer in, and then somehow he makes them worse.
0: And he he has to be a leader too, and and have a good look about it. Uh, was it, it was last year, right, where they went up to Boston College? It was Boston College last year, right, where was. he was he was complaining about the fact that they even had to go up there and I don't even know why we're playing this team and blah 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 mm-hmm. and then they turn around and you know lose to him um you know not a good look um no. so uh it, yeah it's it's definitely something that uh, has been a struggle there and yes they do have to get better so um
2: anyway let, too yeah to kind of yeah. rub salt in the wound right
0: Let's go to uh, Mississippi State, the Bulldogs. Mike Leach entering his third year as well as head coach. Um, I, you guys remember the excitement when Mike Leach and uh, Lane Kiffin both got hired, and we were like, "The Egg Bowl just got awesome." <laughs> um,
1: That's last the media days,
0: exactly. Last year, um, they went seven and six overall, four and four in the conference. The air raid offense will be back, uh, so will quarterback Will Rogers. Uh, But I think the hope is for that offense to kind of begin its – the offense to begin its next step with more big plays. I know they've done a lot of kind of dink and dunk and throwing the ball like 70 times a game with stuff like that, but I think they're wanting more big plays out of that offense. Running backs like uh, leading rusher Dylan Johnson and Jaquavius Marks, obviously they're not going to run the ball a ton, but they'll be available out of the backfield uh, to catch passes there as well. And some design runs. Defense was uh, fairly solid last year. And most of those guys are returning, so um, expect more of the same. Uh, yeah, I do expect the, the defense to continue its uh, solid play, uh, if not slightly better uh, with a few veterans and uh, incoming transfer portal players. Um, all right, uh, Grant, what are your thoughts on Mike Leach in his third year as head coach?
2: Yeah. So uh, I think uh, Mississippi state's going to be a very dangerous team this year. Um, looking at Leach uh, historically at the other schools, that other stops he was at um, Texas tech showed a lot of improvement in his third year. Uh, and then Washington state was actually year four. Um, but regardless, you know, it takes time to kind of implement that sort of offense, that air raid, and uh, to kind of get, get, Get it rolling really well for them. But I mean, Mississippi State returns uh 18 starters uh on a team that was eight points across three losses from being a 10-win team last year. So um I think they definitely have the the players there to to win some big games. Uh going back, Jesse, to that one loss for Georgia, I think it's gonna be South Carolina or Mississippi State. Uh and the thing with Leach, though, you know, you never know what to expect with him. He, you know, he might come out in uh game one against Memphis and beat him by 50, or he might come out and lay lay an egg and lose by five. I'm just – you never know with Leach. Um, Kind of, once again, going back to Leach and his track record, game ones for him have not always been super great. So – but I still think think they're going to be a dangerous team. Uh, I think they're pretty much going to win the games they shouldn't win and lose the ones they shouldn't lose. So that's (laughs) pretty much how that's going to go. But I do think they'll be a bowl-eligible team at the end of the season.
0: All right. Um, Jesse, what are your thoughts?
1: Oh, our sweet baby angel, Mike Leach. Sweet baby. Um, it's, it'll be interesting. I think they will be potentially dangerous because again, it's another year where he's got his own recruiting class. He's got another veteran recruiting class now that's starting to lead. They've started to buy into the air raid offense. The kids that he's recruited have come there likely for that. They know what to expect. It's not like his first year. Um, and, you know, hopefully these kids also understand who Mike Leach is and, and how he coaches and just who he is a, as a human, um, and can get along with him in the locker room. So if they can still complete, you know, 69 out of 73 passes this year, uh, I think it's going to be really interesting. However, looking at their schedule, Yes, they play LSU early and then they have bowling green, but after that, it's a marathon. It's mm. AM, Arkansas, Kentucky, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia. That is not an easy run at all. Um, and they are playing at Kentucky and at, at Alabama and Bryant Denny. So it it's gonna be a tough run for them that is really going to show the strength of that team and and how they can you know, buy into that offense and how their defense is. Because again, you can complete 69 of 73 passes, but your defense has got to hold up. And that right there is going to test your defense.
0: Right. And let's not forget um, how painful that implementation of his team was. I don't know if y'all remember (sighs) how many transfers there were, how many people just, you know, weren't, weren't happy uh, who didn't mesh well with his new, his new style. And that was He's a weird
1: guy. And it's a weird, different offense. Different.
0: Uh, yeah. And, and definitely has to recruit to that. And it's a, it's a different breed. Uh, but, uh, when he can get it rolling, uh, we have seen it hard. work in the past.
1: Yeah. It's hard for kids. I feel bad for them. You go to a school you've committed right. to a coach and then it's completely out of your control. They're gone. Someone else is in it's their way or the highway. And then you just have to adapt, whether that's, what you're skilled to do or not. That's tough. I don't blame the kids for, for leaving necessarily. The,
0: the only bigger change I could think uh, from, was it uh, Dan Moorhead to uh, Mike Leach would probably be coach O to Brian Kelly, which brings us to LSU First year head coach Brian Kelly, uh, first year of LSU, of course, uh, spent a lot of time at Notre Dame. Last year, LSU went uh, six and seven overall, three and five in the SEC. A lot has been made of Brian Kelly's start at LSU, from dancing in videos of potential recruits to saying things like, me and my family. Um, you know, uh, one thing that might make people for- forget uh, those things is winning, though. Um, so uh, I, I do think that it is championship or bust for Brian Kelly. You know, not this year, of course, that's unrealistic. But soon, uh, because LSU fans they're spoiled, right? Last three head coaches have all won Natties, and the fan base is going to expect more of the same. Uh, he brings uh, one of his old assistant coaches, Mike Denbrock, who was uh, OC for Cincinnati last year, to be uh, LSU's OC. As for the quarterback battle, uh, six-year. Senior Miles Brennan, who decided to stay instead of transferring, uh, with the competition leaning towards Arizona State transfer Jaden Daniels or the redshirt freshman Garrett Nussmeyer. Uh, Miles Brennan has said, I'm out. I'm not gonna play football anymore. He's gonna step away uh from football, and won't play for LSU this season. So just what a like a weird situation. Um Okay. Yeah, so uh, wide receiver uh, Kayshawn Boutte, who I've been waiting to say his last name, uh, who is uh, coming off an ankle injury, likely going to live up to that superstar uh, superstar hype if he can stay healthy, of course. Uh, on defense, Kelly brought in Kansas City Chiefs linebacker coach Matt House, and the transfer portal was immediately uh, his friend bringing in tons of players for the defensive backs, while the front six brings back uh, some veterans. Uh, Consensus is they'll need linebackers to step up so the backfield plays aren't made by the line, or at least that's kind of what they've been saying. uh, The insiders have been saying. So, um, uh, Jesse, uh, LSU, what are your thoughts?
1: Brian Kelly. Um, The last time I saw Brian Kelly um, or paid attention to him, really, was I was covering. The Music City Bowl against Notre Dame and LSU, but it was Les Miles and Brian Kelly. So it's a very different program (laughs) now. Um, And Brian Kelly certainly did not have a Southern accent then. Tell you that. Uh, He spoke very well and very clearly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I am so interested in this hire. I did not see this hire coming when it was announced. I did not see him fitting in in baton rouge i am so interested to see how the players that played under coach ed ogeron are going to play under brian kelly because they are vastly different people and they have different coaching styles it's it's going to be fascinating um and they're going to be very high expectations brian kelly has had uh you know teams in the national championship didn't win, but has had him in there. Um, he comes from a program that is historic, that also has pretty big expectations. So the expectations themselves should not be new to him, but what he does with the talent and what he does with this caliber of competition week after week, not just when they get to a bowl game, is going to be very interesting because we've said it all along and I'll say it again and I don't care that he's not a Notre Dame. Notre Dame sucks and they are only in rankings because people watch Rudy and they drink the Kool-Aid and they like the shiny helmets. They have nothing to back it up with. So we'll see what he does with a program that does have some talent and actually has to play a schedule.
0: Right. I, yeah, I do think he's a good coach, which is makes it even more interesting uh, now that he actually has a, you know, a decent team uh, to, to play or to, to coach.
1: SEC like run. They play Miss state early Auburn, Tennessee, Florida, Ole Miss, Alabama, Arkansas, one after the other. Mm -hmm. Not easy.
0: Grant, your thoughts on, uh, on coach Brian Kelly at LSU.
2: Oh um, yeah. So I, you know, Brian Kelly, I think he is a good coach, not a great coach. I agree with Jesse. I did not see that coming uh, when he got hired. Um, I don't think it's a very good cultural fit with Brian Kelly uh, at LSU. Um, and so I'm, I'm just curious kind of to see, you know, going from Les Miles to Ed Orgeron to to Brian Kelly. Um, yeah. How these players are going to respond to that. Uh, like Jesse said, I mean, there's a lot of talent on that team. LSU largely just kind of recruits for itself. Um, and like she said, you know, the last three coaches all have national championships. So LSU is going to want, uh, some hardware here in the next probably three or four years. And if that doesn't happen, I don't think it's going to stick, but yeah, Kelly, um, I mean, it's a whole other ball game for him now. You know, he's, what, 4-11 and 11 against top 10 teams uh, when he was at Notre Dame. So uh, it might be Notre Dame and Cincinnati. But in any case, uh, he's he's going to be playing top 10, top 20 teams kind of week in, week out in the SEC. Um, I don't see him necessarily surviving for too long at LSU, uh, unless he can recruit really well and the players can buy off on what he's selling. Uh, but, again, I'm just not sold on the culture fit there, so I don't think that's going to happen.
1: I don't know yep. what he's selling. That's the question is like he got into Baton Rouge and all of a sudden it's like, who is this human? So I don't know what he's selling. It'll be interesting to see like
2: <laughs> twerking and sweet tea. <laughs> <apparently so. laughs>
0: I just I want to I want to see a recruiting visit. Um, I want to see if he puts on the accent there, if it's a different accent every time. I mean, what what is that Depends like
1: what the kid's accent is he's just, right he's just well, trying to he tells him
2: practice is going to be a grind i mean what are they thinking um, <laughs>
1: just,
0: uh, yeah he's just trying to mirror whatever accent the, the kid has he, he sits there and listens for a little bit and like, <laughs> yeah. i can do that one yeah. so um
1: hopefully he doesn't get like an australian kid though. right
0: <laughs> 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 what didn't see that coming um <laughs> so <speaks> uh, <laughs> <with Haley? laughs> i
1: have practiced practice that one hold on
0: yeah Um, all right, let's talk about Kentucky. Uh, Mark Stoops in his 10th year at Kentucky. Look at look at Mark. Uh, last year they went 10 and 3 overall, five and three in the conference. 10 wins. Look, I mean, look at that. Last year's OC uh Liam Cohen, now OC for the Los Angeles Rams. He's replaced by Rich Scangarello, who was previously the quarterback's coach for the 49ers uh line lost a lot of players to the draft whoever's blocking is going to be doing so for one of the best running backs in the country in Chris Rodriguez who last year ran for nearly 1400 yards and nine touchdowns uh Cavazier Smoke which is just the coo- still the coolest name
1: never going to uh,
0: get old will always uh, he'll also be a factor in the run game um Will Levis the um, uh eating eating adventures and all uh the former Penn State transfer seems to have found a solid home in Kentucky. I mean, he can eat uh, bananas with the peel, and they're cool with it. Um, it, Wasn't he also the one who put uh, mayo in his coffee? Mayonnaise
1: in his coffee. Yeah,
0: there you go.
1: And I saw a video of it. Do you know how bad mayonnaise separates
0: Oh, yeah, it it curdles. (laughs) (laughs) Gives it texture. (laughs) That's right. Um, Yeah, he, he... Oh, yeah, he threw for 2,800 yards, 24 touchdowns last year. Uh, so apparently there was something working in that uh, in that brew there. Uh, Kentucky quarterback hasn't done that since 2010, and I think we all remember who that was, uh, Matt Hartline. <clears throat> anyway, uh, at wide receiver, Wandale Robinson, now in the NFL. Uh, Josh Ali has graduated, and so they looked at veteran Demarcus Harris, as well as transfers Tavion Robinson from Virginia Tech and Javon Baker from Alabama. Like the offense, the defense has had a few uh, players move on, uh, but there are talented players waiting in the wings, just need a little time probably. So, uh, Grant, let's start with you this time. Um, I know you have a special relationship with Kentucky as well, with uh, being a
2: Tennessee fan. What are your thoughts on Kentucky? Uh, uh, you know, Kentucky, it's it's weird. That's I mean, that's my thoughts on it. Kentucky, it's just weird <laughs> seeing them at 10 wins and, you know, being competitive in the SEC East. I mean, the SEC as a whole and – Um, I think they're going to have another pretty good season. I can't really say that they're going to be like, you know, Tennessee or South Carolina that's kind of on the rise because I think 10 wins for Kentucky is about as (laughs) the most they're going to get. But I mean, that's still, that's, that's something to be happy about, you know? And I mean, I think that it's definitely um, attainable again. I don't think that they're going to hit 10 this year, but um, you know, looking at last year, whether it be offensive efficiency or defensive efficiency, anything. I mean, they didn't rank in the bottom half in pretty much anything. I mean, so they're a pretty well-rounded team. Uh, Mark Stoops has done an incredible job there. I just keep thinking that every season he's going to go somewhere else and he just keeps staying at Kentucky. And so uh, every year, you know, that game on the schedule, it just kind of looms. But fortunately, as a Tennessee fan, we tend to kind of own Kentucky. Um, So hopefully we continue to do that this year. But, yeah, looking at their uh, schedule, I mean, they're going to be a tough out for any team, but I I definitely see them winning, you know, eight or nine games this year. Did you guys see
0: where he, Mark Stoops and the basketball coach for Kentucky got into a little Twitter feud
4: No, uh, where
0: uh, basically they're competing, basically they're, they're competing for funds for facilities is what it amounts to.
3: Oh, wait.
1: And he said that. Was it like calling Kentucky a basketball school? Yeah, he said, let's basketball? not
0: forget. The, I forget what the words, because yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it. But basically, the basketball coaches, let's not forget Kentucky's basketball school. And Mark Stoops okay. is like, uh, uh, hello. <laughs> We've actually won more than the basketball team has won in recent years. So that that was just kind of, it was right. unexpected, too, that he kind of clapped back at that tweet. And everybody was like, whoa, wait, what, what, what is happening? <laughs> uh jesse what do you right right jesse what are your thoughts on kentucky
1: i'm still amazed i mean last season we kept talking about it we're like they might be legit you know they just they kept winning it was it was wild to see and levis at first i wasn't necessarily sold on and then it was like the more he played the better they did they was it against florida where they almost burned lexington to the ground um at one point so yeah it's Kentucky needs to keep this momentum going is the thing is they are getting better. They are becoming relevant in the sec are relevant in the sec and not just in the East, but overall, like, uh, like we mentioned. So I- I'm interested to see if they can keep this up, um, knowing that they've lost some people, knowing that they need to put, you know, start to plug and play in that depth chart. So we'll see what they do here. Um, they're, they could do fairly well. Uh, they play Miami of Ohio. That's that's going to be easy. Youngstown State, Northern Illinois. Now getting into their SEC schedule, playing against Ole Miss, they're going to have to go into Ole Miss. But that should be a game. South Carolina, knowing that they're trending upwards too, interested in that. Same with Mississippi State. Same with Tennessee. It's going to be very interesting. And then they go to Missouri. I think they can beat Missouri. Vanderbilt, obviously. Um, they could give Georgia some trouble. It just depends. Grant mentioned there's going to be that one game. It could be Kentucky. We'll see. And then I think they can beat Louisville. So I think there's a good shot for them to continue being a a contender in the SEC East.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And I mean, it seems like we've we've had this conversation about Kentucky consistently. Every year. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) about, wow, they just kind of keep doing pretty good better than expected (laughs) you know um it's just kind of funny um and it's with different personnel too um so i think stoops is is a good i think it's an example of somebody uh, who is a good coach who's doing well with what he's been given Uh,
1: right where you want to be low expectations right exceeding them and then just not getting fired
0: exactly yeah (laughs) and Getting the people in emergency uh, times when you need to get them out of the transfer portal. Can you, yes.
1: you put a wide receiver at quarterback?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That we've seen that. Yeah. It's a uh, wild times for sure. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's move on to uh, Georgia. Uh, Jesse, I know the last time we talked about uh, Georgia, uh, you're in a, in a, a different place, uh, but you're, you're, you're better oh, now. No, I'm still in that place. So, oh, okay. I'm still so well, mad. I'm mad, mad. Oh, gotcha. All right. Well, anyway, all right. Well, let's just talk about it then. Um, last year, Dogs went 14 and 1 overall, 8 and 0 in conference play, uh, won the national championship. Kirby Smart enters his seventh year at Georgia after recently getting a 10 year contract extension worth around 112 million. Stetson Bennett, who still doesn't get respect in some circles, including many that include Georgia fans, uh, figures to be a starter at quarterback. And I think uh, it's basically his job to lose. Uh, Carson Beck and Brock, Brock Vandegrift will battle for that backup spot. Gunner Stockton, also highly recruited, will be in the mix. Wide receivers should be uh, good. Vlad McConkey and Adonai Mitchell, uh, AD, uh, who uh, combined for 60 catches last year, will be back, uh, tight end position. It's just really at a whole different level. That room is something else uh, with Brock Bowers, Eric Gilbert, who should be all set this year, and Darnell Washington uh, could all be three, uh, all three of them be NFL prospects. And like the thought of a combo of any of them on the field at the same time has to really help Stetson Bennett out and just um, his thought process there. Uh, Zamir White and James Cook are gone, uh, but Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton should uh, be able to continue that production on the ground. Um, O-line lost a few starters, uh, but should be pretty solid still. Defense, obviously. Defense was one of the biggest uh, stories last year, one of the biggest positives last year. Uh, lost a ton of starters uh, to the draft, as well as our defensive coordinator, Dan Lanning. Uh, Will Muschamp steps in as co-coordinator with Glenn Schumann. But like I said before, um, as, as long as that defense is run by Kirby, which, I mean, it, it is at the end of the day, uh, I'm not really worried about it. I think it'll it'll continue. The schemes will continue. Uh, Muschamp should do a good job running it uh, as well. Uh, Jalen Carter. I mean, let's not forget uh, he's one of the best defensive linemen in the country. He just happened to be playing behind Jordan Davis, right? So uh, we we didn't hear him as much. Uh, I think you'll hear more of his name this uh, this year, even though we did hear a decent amount last year as well. Um, Nolan Smith continue to be a solid, solid linebacker and secondary Christopher Smith is back along with Tyke Smith and corner Akili Ringo, who did have that pick six to put the national championship away at the end there. Uh, look, I, I think I think we're still going to be good. How good remains to be seen. I'm not being unrealistic here. I don't think that it's oh, yeah, repeat, you know, or, or you know, whatever. Um, if the defense takes a step back, as many expect, just because it was historically good last year. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that pressure on the offense uh, will affect them and their ability to produce if they're able to. Um, Most games last year, offense had a luxury of dominant defense. We'll see how that relationship works uh, this year. So I don't know. That's pretty much all I got from a Georgia fan's perspective. Jesse, what do you think?
1: It's always hard, I think, coming off of a national championship, Expectations are very high, regardless of how many people you've lost to the draft, how many, you know, coaching personnel turnovers you've had because they've been successful and they go other places. There's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of expectations. And Georgia has not had that pressure or expectation in a while. And that's I'm not trying to throw shade. it That's just the truth. And you did lose a lot of people to the NFL. You you know, you have a little bit of coaching turnover. Defense obviously is something that is not going to mirror last year. Exactly. So I am, I will be watching to see how it goes. Um, And the thing is too, is everybody has the number of the team that won the national championship. They all want to beat them. And the pressure is also on the coaches as well. Look at Ed Ogeron. You come from winning a national championship in a, a season that was historic that as much as it makes me want to puke because I hated it, it, he gone, (laughs) he's Mm -hmm. gone. Um, So yeah, there is, you know, obviously Kirby has a contract extension, but again, there's so much pressure there and the fans have even more expectations than they did before. So as players, it's a lot to handle. Um, And we'll, we'll have to see how the Georgia players handle that. We'll have to see if Stetson Bennett really is, that guy, if he can carry them throughout an entire season and be consistent again, um, I I am going to hold my Alabama fan self and tongue and not not rehash the national championship and not say all the things I want to say about the people who are out and could have been in the game and might have changed it. So it doesn't matter. Um, but Georgia fans, just remember, you got a natty and be happy and remember that repeats are very hard to do and that there is a lot of turnover after a national championship. So just, just remember that and don't eat your players alive every week.
0: Yeah. 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 There was, there was only one sec short that uh, that almost brought me to tears last year. And it was the one after the natty. It was where hope was leaving Georgia and the Georgia fan was like, why are you leaving me? She's like, but you don't need me anymore. it's like this year you thought you could win next year. You'll know you can win. (laughs) I was like, well, I mean, there's some truth to that. You have to do it. And then you realize, Oh, I can do this. Right. And
1: you have to like Alabama fans do it all the time. It's awful where we like, we either win an added win a bowl game. And then the next season, the moment an interception is thrown, we're like, oh, my God.
0: <laughs> Season's down the drain. <laughs> this
1: is a problem. This is a problem. Fire so,
0: saving. <laughs> He's I'm like,
1: Everybody breathe. It's okay. Right. We won last year. Now it's just this rebuilding year. <laughs> we're okay. Right. I'm just, well, Georgia, you're okay. I'm going to tell I, you at the start of the season. You're okay.
0: I appreciated what Kirby said at, at uh, media days where people were talking about how they were asking him, how do you fight? Apathy amongst the team or complacency amongst the team, and he's like, "These guys haven't done anything. the The guys who won that was last mm-hmm. year's team. This year's team hasn't done anything. So we just try to keep that mentality moving forward. And you know, you're always always chasing it, right? Mm-hmm. um Grant, what are your what are your thoughts on Georgia for this year?
2: Yeah, I think Jesse helped uh, hit the nail on the head. Um, there's a, a lot of pressure uh, on Georgia on the players. Uh, a lot of them are going to be you know, new starters, you guys lost a ton. Uh, I think Georgia's still going to be very good. Ugh, hate to say that. Um, I mean, you know, Kirby's just been recruiting lights out as well as anybody. Um, I don't think they're going to repeat. Uh, and kind of going back to the pressure aspect, that's kind of why I've mentioned it a couple times um, during this episode that, you know, they may, may drop a game. Like I said, either South Carolina or uh, Mississippi State. Both of those are away games. Um, but again, you know, I still think Georgia is going to be an extremely talented team. And I think a loss might be what they need, um, to kind of rebound and say, Hey, you know, we've been there, we can do this, but we can't get sloppy. You know, we can't, we, well, we needed in the, pressure the, uh, the... SEC championship last year. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
2: exactly. So, um, and that's probably, I mean, honestly, what you needed to fuel yourselves through the playoffs, but. Um, you know, I think Stetson Bennett is extremely underrated. I mean, I think he's a very good quarterback. I'm not sure why he gets so much flack, um, maybe just because of intangibles or things like that. But as soon as he throws his first interception, yes, Georgia fans are going to be calling for Gunner Stockton or whoever. Um, they're gonna say, man, get Stetson out. What's he still doing there? But uh, no, in any case, I mean, I think Georgia's going to be very good. I think they're going to kind of keep the momentum going from last year. Um, and again, a loss could just kind of humble them, bring them back down to earth. But they've got the the talent, the depth, you know, to hang with anybody in the nation. Uh, and so, really, like I said, if, if they take one loss, or even if they go undefeated, you know, run the table, they are going to have to play a much different game in the SEC Championship game. I know we're a little bit ahead of ourselves on that. But, I mean, I think it's kind of a foregone conclusion. They are the heavy favorite uh, favorite to win the East. But, um but, yeah, with that defense not going to be able to carry the team as much this year, you are going to have to have that offense step up some. So uh, can they do that? I, I think so, yeah, just with their depth and their talent, yeah.
0: Yeah, and hopefully uh, all this praise isn't going to you know give them bad juju or whatever. So, Oh, I'm definitely yeah. trying to give them bad juju. Right <laughs> I know. Right. I, mean, I know what yeah, you do. Two no. of the three
1: people on this call are, are wishing only bad juju. <laughs> oh, I, yeah.
0: yeah. I know. I know. So I know, nobody knows this better that's than that for both of y'all. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's true. I know. I'm like, I'm on the call with two of the teams. I hate most.
0: That's true. Ooh. That's true. Um, wow. It's just, it's, it's, it's a whole, it's a big circle. Which uh, I,
2: mean, I want you to know that you are my favorite. Okay. Person to hate on the show. Um, so, <laughs>
0: well, there you go. What a compliment, right? So,
2: yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. Well,
0: speaking of hating teams that I think we all can agree on yes. uh, Florida Gators uh, uh, first year best. head coach, Billy Napier. And that's no, you know, I know we may possibly have Florida fans listening to this show. It's all in good, good love and, 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 and good uh, banter. Uh, First year head coach uh, first year, Florida head coach, obviously Billy Napier. Last year, Florida went seven and six or six and seven overall two and six in the conference. Emory Jones is at Arizona state now. So it is now the Anthony Richardson show uh, receiver positions have kind of shuffled somewhat, but, uh, getting Ricky Pierce all from, uh, Arizona state should help, uh, running backs duty should be split between, uh, right lingered Bowman and Louisiana transfer Montrell Johnson. So listen out for those names this year in the running game, uh, defense likely have a lot of good, but young players, uh, especially as we get into the rotations. So, um, we'll see, uh, they'll need to get more pressure and turnovers this year. Um, uh, than they did a year ago for sure. Because, I mean, and I was uh, talking with a Florida fan tonight at my daughter's soccer practice, and he was talking about how, you know, Florida was just for years known for that tough defense. Um, nobody would score in Florida. And now they've kind of, as many teams in college football have migrated over to all offense. <laughs> and that's kind of what they've been built around recently. So I think they're going to want a little bit more of, of a balance there. Uh, Grant, what are your thoughts on Florida and uh, and
2: their chances this year? You no, know, Florida. Um, that's a kind of a big question mark. I don't know what to expect with Florida. You know, they uh, Dan Dan Mullen kind of left their roster um, depleted, and so <laughs> Billy Napier is walking into. Uh, for lack of a better term kind of a crap show. Um yeah. you know Anthony Richardson, he's 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 good, he's serviceable at quarterback. Um I, Florida, I don't know. They just they've got a tough schedule. Um you know if they can get six wins, I think that'd be a good first year for Billy Napier. Um and I think if, if Florida gives him time, I think he's going to do a good job there. You know I mean? I think he's going to come in. He's got to kind of change the culture. He's got to implement new systems. He's got to re- restock that cupboard. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a tough uh, first year or two. Um, but you know, the thing as a Tennessee fan, Florida can go one and 11 and that one win is going to be against us. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know what to expect with Florida. We're going to make Anthony Richardson look like a Heisman. I already know it, but not about us. Um, Florida. Ah, I just, I, I even saying Florida just kind of just <laughs> me a I think I just taste. threw open my mouth a Oh bit. Gosh. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, I, I really, I mean, that's just a huge question mark, really, for for them and for LSU. You know, I've got both of those teams. It's like a bit, the big unknowns. Like, I mean, how are they going to be? And that first, you know, first week, September third against Utah, that's going to be a really good test. Uh, I think um, Utah is an incredibly underrated team. I think they're going to be very good this year. Uh, well, good in like a Pac-12 sense, but I think they, you know, are a dark horse playoff playoff contender. So if they can, uh, if Florida can hold out and beat Utah, then um, number one, that doesn't give me a, a warm and fuzzy for September 24th when they go to Tennessee. But uh, on top of that, I think you know that that kind of shows that Napier is going to be able to kind of fix that uh, team a lot sooner rather than later. But I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think that they're going to struggle to get six wins this year. Uh, They've got a lot of uh, rebuilding and recruiting to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, like you were saying, I mean, they have a test against Utah and then Kentucky. And like, like you said, this team already has a lot of question marks out of the gate. And then they have those two boom, boom games, uh, you know, to test them right out, right out of the gate. So Jesse, what are your thoughts on Florida this year?
1: I think, I think Grant's right. It's a huge question mark. Uh, Mullen left, there was so much strangeness in florida for me right like it was just who who was quarterback who wasn't who what was happening why is he yelling at his assistant the whole thing is what's a fever dream who's my
2: wife talking to yeah
1: <laughs> what is his wife no one knows what's happening it's weird it was weird and i feel like the feeling in the locker room had to have been strange i i just i can't imagine being in that locker room and i i know he had to have, he knew his time was up. I mean, you know, so coach Napier has quite the challenge or opportunity ahead of him. We've said it about several schools. He's got to change the culture in that locker room. He's got to just rebuild those guys, rebuild their confidence, um, implement a system, just a system. I don't care what it is. They probably don't either. But, um, and he's got to get Florida fans excited about football because I don't think they were excited last season. And I don't think the players were either. I think it was a little, they were feeling very defeated. And so he's got to reinvigorate that program. And you're right. The first three, luckily first three games are playing in the swamp, which helps them swamps very hard to play in Utah. I think they can pull that one off Kentucky's what I'm interested in yeah. that I think is really going to show the grit of Florida and give us sort of a state of the union of the Florida that we're going to have the rest of the season. After that, I think it's going to be a loss. And after that, if they can pull themselves together and they can start to to rebuild and regroup, they may be able to pull out a decent season. Um, but, but right now for me, there's just so many questions out Florida that I, I can't give a good prediction on where I think they are or where I think they're going to go.
0: Yeah um coach mullen your recruiting class is really terrible what do you have to say about that oh we'll just we'll just worry about that during recruiting season (laughs) (laughs)
1: you
0: you know if he if he didn't know before then that had to have been the moment i feel like
1: mentally he was already checked out i think that showed us that answer right there is he didn't care anymore
0: yeah yeah he was just avoiding the question because he knew it was over he was just like whatever doesn't really matter we'll talk about that later
2: One thing that's interesting, I just want to point out is I've talked to a lot of Florida fans that are underwhelmed with the Billy Napier hire, but pretty much non-Florida fans who I've spoken with, they all think that's a great hire. I mean, I personally, you know, as much as I hate Florida, I think Napier is a great hire for Florida. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's what I thought uh, LSU was going to get. And again, I think if uh, Florida gives him time to, like you said, implement a system, uh, I think he can do a really good job at Florida. I mean, I don't know who Florida
1: would have gotten.
0: It's a great point.
1: No, if, they, if
0: they didn't like that, who, who were they else? wanting?
1: <laughs> who else is there that they wanted? Who?
2: Lane Given? <laughs> <I mean, laughs> that's not going to happen. No, he is Kyle living. William, I mean, yeah, yeah there were a lot of living in, life in Oxford.
1: He ain't leaving. Like,
2: yeah.
1: Last year was that those hires where you're like, I don't really know who's available right now. Like, who's yeah. who's looking for a job? That's why I think the Billy Napier was very surprising. That's why Brian Kelly was surprising because nobody knew who was available and there wasn't like one standout coach name that they're like, oh no, he's leaving. He's, he's going to get hired there.
2: Yeah. Right. Fickle. I mean, I'm, somebody just, yeah. But Nate, listen, here, I thought it was a good hire.
0: What? what every
1: year I'm just going to say Hugh Freeze. Hugh he's Freeze. Yeah. Hugh freeze,
0: he's just, yeah. Just will him he's back going somewhere eventually. Yeah. He will. That's it. Um, all right, let's talk, speaking of going somewhere, let's talk about the Auburn Tigers, uh, last year went six and seven, three and five in the conference. Now Auburn lost five straight games to close out the year. And most of them were kind of just, they crumbled at the end, right? They had the game and they let it get away. Um, but they almost beat Alabama in a really crazy iron bowl. That was, that was pretty nuts. Um, add to that, a very racy Brian Harson scandal and, and things are just primed for mega drama on the planes. I mean, they, they tried to get him out of there, the, the boosters, they tried to get him out. And I, somehow he's still there. I, 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 to this day, I still don't know how, uh, how he's still there. Uh, but poor, poor Mike Bobo who hadn't even finished unpacking yet fired, uh, from the OC spot. In comes Eric Keesaw, who was previously the OC and quarterback's coach at Boise State. Uh, former LSU transfer TJ Finley was just named the, the starting quarterback, beating out Texas A&M transfer Zach Calzada and Oregon transfer Robbie Ashford. Uh, pretty much the whole receiving core is back. Uh, they should be solid. Uh, Tank Bigsby is back. And honestly, that's all you need to know about the running game with a name like Tank. Um, Derek Mason left as defensive coordinator after rumors that he and Harson didn't get along. And Jeff Schmedding has been promoted to the defensive coordinator. I love that. And I'm, I'm going to say it, Schmedding, every time. Um, for, uh, front four should be solid on defense, uh, but they're replacing a lot in linebackers and secondary, so it might take a little bit for them to uh, to catch up there. Uh, in my opinion. Auburn is going to have to get, like we talk about, uh, better about closing out games. If they get that lead at the end, they just have to figure out how to close it out. I I can't tell you how many they just had and let get away. Um, Or they're going to find themselves in the exact same position as last year. Um, So, uh, Jesse, Auburn, what you got? What do you think?
1: Pressure. Pressure. There is going to be pressure on that man. Yeah. Because – I don't think anyone wants him there. It doesn't seem like it. I, I don't know. Someone, I guess, did because he's still there. But there's coordinator turnover, which for players is difficult. Uh, the Derek Mason thing. Derek Mason's a really great defensive mind, um, so that that's interesting. But if you don't get along with the head coach, yeah, you might as well bounce out. Um, they've they've got all of the, the quarterback transfers. I think there's going to be a little bit of quarterback carousel uh, throughout the games. Uh, it, it may be game to game, but we'll see. Uh, interested to see if Zach Calzada can beat beat out Finley because against us is pretty good. <laughs> um, but I think the big thing is, is it's like you said, Auburn has to finish games. Auburn didn't finish games. Auburn mm-hmm. started games and they didn't finish them and you stay for four, play for four. Um, it, it's got to happen. And they've got a pretty, a pretty tough schedule. Um, luckily a lot of the tough ones are at home um, and we all know weird things happen at Jordan Hair, but they got to play at Georgia. Not going to be easy. They got to play at Ole Miss. Not going to be easy. They play in Starkville at Mississippi state. So, and, they play in Bryant-Denny Stadium. They're going to have some losses this year, and I'm interested to see just how thin and uh, how short the leash on uh, on Harson's going to be because I don't think there's going to be a lot of grace given there. Eight and four ain't going to fly.
0: Right. <laughs> um, Grant, your thoughts on, on Auburn?
2: Yeah, so uh, I, I agree with most of Jesse's points, but uh, as far as this year is concerned, I think eight and four would absolutely fly um given their schedule uh i mean it is daunting they've got a brutal stretch you know starting in october pretty much till the end of the season um you know i think Bo nix being gone now i th- you know uh i think that that's kind of a blessing in disguise for Auburn mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Uh, you know i I'm not you know I, I think they just needed something different and uh, hopefully finley or Calzado, one of those could be could be their guy um Auburn last year, they really, really struggled offensively, not only just to close games like you guys pointed out, but uh, just to move the ball, really. I mean, defensively, they weren't bad. Uh, like I said, they did have Derek Mason, um, which kind of on a side note, that might be the missing piece that the uh, Mike Gundy needs at Oklahoma State, a defensive coordinator, but um, that is where he settled up. But it, neither here nor there. Uh, going back to Auburn, yeah, they've, they've got to be able to move the ball more effectively. Uh, Again, changing that quarterback and kind of maybe going to a a pass-first type offense is going to really help them. Um, But, yeah, their schedule is just brutal, and I personally don't see six wins on the schedule. So, I think that's going to be the end of the short Harson era.
0: Yeah. Uh, Fun fact, um, talking about Bo Nix, do you know where he transferred to? Uh, Oregon. Oregon, yeah. yeah, Okay, it is Oregon, yeah. So, George is going to get to see him uh, in the –
1: I'm interested to see that. I want to see how he does there.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, is it going to be more of the same, um, you know, Probably. take take the snap and immediately start scrambling or what, what's going to go, what's going to go on there. So it'd be interesting to watch both both him and Auburn this year, how that, how that works out. Um, all right. Let's talk about the Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, Sam Pittman enters his third year as head coach last year they went nine and four and four and four in the conference guys Arkansas won nine games last year. Uh, KJ
1: all
0: right, right? Uh, KJ Jefferson or as uh, Pitt, Sam Pittman would say yes, sir. Uh, yeah, Matt does it way better. <laughs> uh, KJ Jefferson developed into a real star last year with them. Uh, hope sorry he'll continue that development. Um, they did lose one of the best wide receivers in the league to the draft and Traylon Burks. Uh, but uh, Jadon Hazelwood transferring in from Oklahoma, and they have other uh, enough other personnel uh, to be good in the end, I think, in, in that at uh, that position. I expect that Sam Pittman, uh, a Sam Pittman coached team, will continue to have a good offensive line and running game. That's just kind of his mo. Uh, Jefferson led the team in rushing last year, but Sanders and Johnson look to be a tough tandem. Uh, the running back position, Barry Odom, still the defensive coordinator, and honestly, I've been a fan of his ever since he was at Mizzou. I thought he did great there for the most part, especially defensively. Uh, some of those Mizzou defenses, super tough, and just continues at Arkansas. Uh, sounds like uh, they're going to try to get as many defensive backs on the field at a time as they can, even going with a four-two-six alignment a lot of the time, which I I can't wait to see that. Um, if they're able to generate more pressure you could see that squad, the defensive side of the ball, take it to the next level. So um, uh, I can't remember who I did, last, who I started with last
1: Grant's time. Grant, huh? Is it like Grants first? Yeah. I was going to say.
2: First. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. So Arkansas, man, I'll tell you, it, it's crazy that they won nine games last year. I mean, Sam Pittman, he's done just an incredible job there. Um, and yeah, I, I completely agree. Barry Odom. Uh, he's, he's doing a, Good job with the defense. They have gotten better each year that he's been there, um, but still, statistically, they were still bottom third of the SEC last season in total defense, uh, but I think that they're, they're fixing that, right? That's kind of a work in progress thing, and like I said, they have uh, trended upward every year. Uh, Arkansas is going to be a tough team to beat. K.J. Jefferson, uh, very good quarterback right there. Um, I'd say he's you know top three in the SEC, hands down, so Really, I think their season is going to kind of hinge on their first couple of games, right? So they've got Cincinnati, uh, who should not be the same Cincinnati, you know, with Desmond Ritter. Um, but they still do have Luke Fickle. Uh, it's going to be a tough Cincinnati team. And then South Carolina, so if they can win both of those, uh, I think that's going to give them the momentum to kind of roll into a really successful season. Uh, they've got, you know, big back-to-back tests with A&M and Alabama. But um, overall, I mean, I think they're going to be another solid 8-9 win team. Um you know, it looks like kind of from Sam Pittman's tenure there, or at least from last year, they win the games they should, and they fight hard in the ones they shouldn't. So, uh, I look to see more of that this year. And as long as they keep kind of trending uh, in this direction uh, and recruiting well, uh, they they should be all right for the foreseeable future. Um, kind of going back to the Traylon Burks things, like you said, they they did get Jadon Hazelwood. Um, And this is the first time that Sam Pittman said that they have had, what was his quote exactly? He said uh, that they have the depth numbers that at wide receiver that they have not had in the last couple of years. So as far as wide receiver goes, uh, Pittman is not concerned about the loss of Traylon Burks.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be a good feeling. I mean, obviously obviously you lose him, but to have depth, that's got to be nice. Uh, Jesse, what are your thoughts?
1: I think that Arkansas, the players, the fans, they've all bought in to Pittman yeah. and that's huge. I think he has the support of, of the players and the fan base. They trust him. And I think KJ Jefferson to me last season was so gritty. He was the guy on the field that was putting his body out there. And I'm sure as a coach, you're like, don't do that. Don't do that. But he really did. I mean, he was not, He was not sliding very much. He was willing to do whatever it took to try to to push his team forward. So I respected him. I'm interested to see how he has progressed in the offseason and coming into this season. I really, really enjoyed watching his grittiness. So this is going to be a good season for them. Again, they need to work on defense, but it's one thing at a time. They started to get the offense moving. So defense is that natural thing to follow. And it's going to be a couple tough games. Alabama is going to be tough. Mississippi state could be tough. If they don't have the defense to back it up, Texas A&M, absolutely. BYU could be a tough one uh, as well as Auburn, depending on how things go there.
0: Don't forget Liberty.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Liberty. Um, Yeah. But there's, there's going to be some tough games, some tests for them to really see where their program is at within the SEC some tune-up games in there as we all have, but I really enjoy watching, you know, Sam Pittman coach and I, I really enjoy watching his Razorbacks uh, as long as they're still not good enough to beat Bama.
2: Right. You know, a lot it's of crazy, times everybody likes Sam Pittman. Sorry, Robbie. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody not likes Sam Pittman, you
0: know? Right. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I mean, so it's funny. Usually a lot of times when a coach leaves a, a team like, like he left Georgia, you know, it's, it's easy to be like, you know, man, I kind of hope things don't work out for him, for him, but honestly, so happy for the dude. He'd never had a head, head coaching job before. Uh, it seems to be working out. He's like you said, he's a, he's a great dude and just couldn't be happier for him. And I think that's the yeah. feeling, like you said, amongst a lot, a lot of people. So, um, all right, well, let's talk about the Alabama Crimson Tide and just beyond ready. Um, Last year, the tide went 13 and two, seven and one in the conference. Um, you know, honestly, I' just be straight up honest. I think Bama is the team to beat on paper. It looks to be that way. as long as you got Bryce Young, you know, one of the best QBs in the game right now, and you got Will Anderson Jr. on the defensive side. as long as those two stay healthy, um, I think both sides of the ball are anchored. Um, there's just too much talent overall. Uh, I think it's it's gonna take either attrition, like as the season goes on, Uh, or one of their opponents is just going to have to play outside their minds uh, to beat them, I think. Um, uh, And then, you know, Saban complained about little old Bama struggling to keep up in the NIL game, which we all know was a calculated uh, step uh, statement to get the boosters to open their wallets just a little bit when they're like, Oh, Saban's right. We need to do something about that, (laughs) you know, put out a little bit more from their wallets uh, for the players. Um, And then I'm not going to get into it yet, um, but we have some really, really fun stuff to talk about uh, that happened in the offseason. But Jesse, first, let's hear from you. What are your expectations for your Crimson Tide?
1: Yeah, Uh, the first thing I want to say is um, obviously thoughts and prayers and all good vibes and will to Brian Robinson. Uh, For those that haven't heard, he was shot multiple times in an attempted robbery. Um, So. And he was the victim. So for all of those, and I'm just going to say all those idiots who say that Alabama players steal something. And why did he do that? He didn't steal anything. He was the victim of this. So let's read the the whole article before we just buy into a headline. Um, And remember that these are, these are young people. These are people. And um, regardless of fandom, uh, that's not okay. So Uh, I hope Brian Robinson gets better. Um, He is in stable condition, so we're wishing him all the best uh, across all fandoms. But as I said at the top, this is the revenge tour. Uh, Bad things happen for teams when Alabama gets so close, Nick Saban gets so close to something, and then he gets disappointed. Um, He comes back with a vengeance, and I have no doubt that this season is going to be exactly that he has never said this at least out loud or anywhere I've heard, but I think that Nick Saban fully believes the game would have gone differently in Indy had Jameson Williams uh, not been hurt and John Mechie been able to go. I I, I truly believe that. Um, I think Nick Saban believes that. And I think he is about to show that this year. Um, We have a Heisman winning quarterback, So, yes, there's a lot of pressure that comes along with that because there's a lot of expectations. But Bryce Young, if anything, you know, was shown last season. He's got a cool head. And I'm also very confident in his backups. I know that redshirt freshman um, Milrow is is very good. Um, So I I do feel pretty confident at that position Uh, and experience. Bryce was very young last year and won a Heisman. And I think his decision making skills will only get better and have only gotten better after going through last season and after going through a loss losses make you better. And so I am only expecting him to get better and I'm only expecting that line to block better. And I'm interested to see how uh, Gibbs who is the transfer running back from Georgia tech does. He's apparently stellar, but, and I'm sorry if you're randomly an ACC listener that jumped on this podcast, uh, it's different to play in the ACC than it is the SEC. So I really want to see how he transfers into that system and how good he is. Brian Robinson, of course, when he's well, he's going to be a stellar athlete out there. um, And it, it should just rip yards and chunks off that field. But Will Anderson coming back, of course, I think we're stacked at the linebacker position as well. It's going to be, just a gauntlet every weekend and it's very interesting if you look back at last season we had a defense that was probably just as good as our national championship 2019 and yet we still lost because as we mentioned earlier talking about other teams we have gone from this very heavy defensive conference to now being in that heavy offensive conference and we don't look at defenses as much And our defense was very good. Georgia's defense was very good. So I hope we're able to to bring that back, but I do know that we, we get angry and and we like to prove ourselves. And we've shown before in, in previous teams that guys will come back when they feel like they have an unfinished job. And I think our guys feel like they, they didn't finish their job. So Hopefully we're able to do it this season. We open with Utah state. So that should just be thrilling. Um, I know everyone's looking forward to our game against Texas in week two. Nobody's looking forward to uh, you know, that early kickoff, but that's okay. And then we, we just pounded out with UL Monroe and Vanderbilt. So. It, Just
0: it does kind of really, set up nicely to begin with, doesn't it?
1: It is. Um, but then we get into the strength of, of the SEC schedule and we have, you know, Arkansas, which historically in the past, Arkansas has given us trouble before mm-hmm. a lot of times. Um, it hasn't been too much since like Mallet was quarterback. But oh gosh, the
0: blast from the past.
1: I know, but still they, they used to give us quite a fit a is going to be a fascinating game for just, just multiple circle. It. Um, thank God it's in Brian <laughs> Tennessee Always a crowd favorite Mississippi state LSU Ole Miss. Um, and then obviously we know iron bowl can go any way, any season. So roll tide y'all.
0: Grant, I know you're about to vomit right now, but what are, what are
2: your thoughts? Oh well, you know, honestly, this was the uh, segment of the show that I was really not looking forward to. Um, Just because I I just hate Alabama, I do. (laughs) Um, I'm sorry, Jess. You seem okay, Uh, but
1: I I mean, I get it. Um, I I I, I mean, it's been like
2: 13 years, you know. It has
1: been. Uh, Um, uh, We didn't have iPhones when you guys uh, beat us last, but that's okay. And I feel like it's so historic that we hate each other. We know that. I'm not surprised the see fans as they hate us.
2: Yeah, I mean, but well, so on on top of everything, the reason I wasn't looking forward to it is, yes, I mean, Alabama is going to be really good this year. Um, I agree with Jesse. It does seem, you know, saving whenever he kind of gets close and loses, it's 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 ugly the next year. And um, you know, some of the games that would be challenging, I think, for Alabama this year, like Texas A and M, because of what happened last year and because of the little off season spat. I mean, it's going to be brutal. Um, you know, I'm I'm looking at the schedule. I really feel like Tennessee, you said, I I like how you had to say about that was, Oh, that's a fan favorite. You know, I'm, I'm optimistic this year about the Tennessee game. Again, we got to get that monkey off of our backs eventually, but, uh, going back to Alabama saving off season, um, pretty much all the holes that you guys had. I mean, y'all filled really well. Jameer Gibbs, everything I'm reading is that guy's phenomenal, you know? Um, Offensive line, I think that's your big question mark. Can they give Bryce Young some more protection? But, again, adding somebody like Jameer Gibbs, I mean, that just – you know, just adds another dangerous dimension to the backfield. And then, I mean, you picked up Jermaine Burton uh, and then him, uh, you know, right there with Treshawn Holden. Uh, Trader. Uh, yeah, right. Um, yeah, Kobe Prentice. I mean, everything I'm seeing, it's this guy Kobe Prentice is just phenomenal. He's better than every receiver you've ever had ever, you know. So, I mean, we'll see. But, I mean, that's just kind of the same trend with Alabama year in, year out. It's like, oh, we've got this new – running back and wide receiver and they're all better than what you knew from last year which was like the best thing ever you know so it's just going to be another year of that i fully anticipate alabama to win the west um to go on to the national championship probably win i really think this year the only contender they might have uh would be like you know maybe georgia ohio state that's about it um so yeah they're going to be good Saban, obviously you know he does a good job every year of of restocking you know the cupboard wherever there's parts missing and whatnot, but. Um, yeah, oh, I hate that's why I wasn't looking forward to this because yes, Alabama's <laughs> gonna be good there, Jesse. You're gonna be good. I'm hoping no that doubt. Utah State upsets you, though. I really do, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know. Oh man, the only way that happens is if they get overlooked, and obviously, that doesn't happen a ton with Sabin. I
1: mean, I, I want to puke saying this, but like Texas AM did it. Um, the one team that I I didn't want over anybody else to be the first uh, Saban disciple to beat us. It happened. So it you know, that you know, was like a the weird band-aid week, finally though. got ripped off. Hmm?
0: That was a weird week though. And it that was-, was one of the few times where Saban bought in and actually allowed himself to talk some smack. Remember? Because they were talking about, and I guess this was earlier. This was way before the game actually happened. But Jimbo was saying, you know, yeah, somebody's going to beat him one day. or We're going to beat him one day. And uh and Saban said, Oh, is he talking about golf? And you know, yeah. it's almost like the bad juju just from that one comment <laughs> came back.
1: It is like every every witchcraft and spell that Auburn's, you know, written down, they just passed to Jimbo Fisher that week because everything <laughs> that wrong did go wrong. And I'm just like, everything. What is happening?
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh speaking of which, are are we ready? <laughs> are we ready to talk about this? Yes. because it has to be talked about because oh I, there's a lot of stuff out there that i i don't think that the people have heard because you get these little quick clips from espn and yeah they are bad but they aren't quite as bad as the full story so let's talk about get your everybody if you haven't get your popcorn ready whatever you need to just kind of hang out and listen to a really good uh spat here but um Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban, if you've been living under a rock, uh, had an interesting back and forth through the media, uh, which we'll listen to now. I have a a few clips here, starting with Saban's comments at a 50-day countdown event uh, for the World Games.
4: But I know the consequence is going to be difficult for the people who are spending tons of money to get players. And you've read about them. You know who they are. I mean, we were second in recruiting last year, a and was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. All right, we didn't buy one player. All right, but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it.
0: All right, that was on May the 18th. The day after, May 19th, Jimbo Fisher calls a press conference to fire back.
3: A narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen, and it's ridiculous, but when when he's not on top and the parody in college football he's been talking about, go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything we built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. And I know the guy I know him really well. It's the second time we've had to do this with grown men. Who don't get their way and want to pout, throw a fit and act up. Just go ask all the people who work for him. You'll know exactly what he's about. I always said this. My dad always told me this. When people show you who they are, believe them. He's showing you who he is. Have you had any contact with Nick? Since, no. Oh, he's called. You just didn't take the call? Not going to. We're done. And uh, he shows you who he is. And then I just wanted to. He's the greatest ever, huh? And then I just wanted, you back. got all the advantages. Uh-huh. It's easy. Listen, you coach with people like Bobby Bowden and learn how to do things. You coach with other people and learn how not to do things. There's a reason people don't go. I ain't went back and work for him with opportunities coach back behind don't the be lines associated with it. And what's funny in that talk right before he said that about us, wasn't he soliciting funds from the crowd? It's amazing. wasn't it? to the
2: left well, Rob, when you
3: walk on water, I guess don't matter. I'm not project. defending anybody. I'm just giving you the truth. Listen, I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to hide, and our program has nothing to hide. It'd be interesting if everybody could say that. Listen, I'm going to tell you one thing. You can, you can call me anything you want to call me. You ain't calling me a cheat. I don't cheat, and I don't lie. Because I learned that when I was a kid. If you did, the old man slapped you side of the head. Maybe somebody should have slapped him. <laughs>
0: and that one just builds and gets better as it goes on
1: reporter has just one question that his editor needs him to get and he's trying desperately to get it and breathing so hard to get it
0: oh right i was going to say props to whoever i guess it was that guy breathing so loudly during that recording (laughs) it's just (laughs) trying their best
1: but did
0: you well hold on let me so let's pause for a devil's advocate moment, okay, um, Grant, uh, would you like to role play with me? Sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I never thought
1: another man would ask me that, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I was waiting for. Uh, let's uh, let's imagine. Let's imagine that you are a coach for a respected institution. Um, let's say that I am also a football coach for a respected an- another respected institution. Okay. All right, uh, Coach Coach Grant. You had the number one recruiting class in college football this year, but with the new NIL stuff, you guys bought every single player on your team. Why would you do such a
2: lowdown thing? Explain yourself. Because it's allowed. We're allowed to do that. And so we did it. We have the money. And so we did it. And I'm building a powerhouse team. Thank you. <laughs> you know what? That was the, that. It could have been solved with that, right? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it's uh, everything.
0: But no, Jimbo decided to, uh, to call that conference. Okay. So that was May 19th. Um, saving- I feel like
1: when you call a conference, you're just giving validity to what's being said. Like if you have to yell that loud to defend yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I, yeah. You're, you're,
1: quickly you're
0: Is that what you gonna,
2: wanted me to say? I'm, I'm trying to, <laughs> no, I
0: honestly just wanted to, I wanted to, to great just, job. I was going to say, you. I just wanted to hear yeah. what you, what you thought. Uh, honestly. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, I did it. There you go. Um, and then, uh, so May 31st, so the the Jimbo press conference was May the 19th. Uh, Saban on May 31st said
4: this I didn't really say that anybody did anything wrong.
3: You said they bought their recruiting class.
4: I didn't say anybody did anything wrong. Okay. And I've said everything I'm going to say about this. But, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, I guess the point. And I should have never mentioned any individual institutions. I said that before. But, you know, some kind of uniform uh, name, image, and likeness, you know, standard um, that supports some kind of equitable uh, national competition, uh, I think is really, really important in college athletics and college football.
0: So, uh, comments are are becoming a little bit more responsible at this point.
1: Oh, PR Um, got involved. Immediately. Yeah. Uh, The crisis management team at both institutions got called in early as hell.
0: Yeah. (laughs) No doubt. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, So that was May the 31st. um, And then so Jimbo on June the 1st, uh, after apparently having some dialogue with Saban, said this. We
3: spoke very in the beginning. And he's been what he accused us of. You know, both things we said it, it's over with. We're done talking about it and what happens and we're moving on to the future. What goes on and try to fix the problems of what we have in college football. We're a lot more pressing needs than our arguments.
0: So the master of clarity, uh, we spoke very in the beginning and he's what he accused us of. But <laughs> like, like um, I, yeah, uh, it's Jimbo. You just never know what he's going to say. Um, he
1: doesn't know what he's going to say. That's a problem. <laughs>
0: No, um, but he he said I'm I'm kind of the reporter's dream. Number one, I guess he he does you know he never knows what he's going to say, so it could be some crazy headlines. But then also he talks so fast, he gets in, he gets in so much information in such a uh, short period of time. So, Grant, did you have any thoughts so far uh, about about the goings on?
2: Not really. You know, I I, I kind of followed it a little bit. And then I was like, this is this is dumb. And I was like, why are they fighting about any of this? But um, I mean, it's going to make the you know, things on the field a lot more interesting, especially, like I say, given the results of last season, especially. Um, I'm sure Jesse's looking forward to seeing a bloodbath there. Yeah.
0: Right. Well, uh, SEC media days in July was the, is the last clip that I have, uh, kind of a, as a bookend on this. And uh, Jimbo had some even more interesting
3: comments. Listen, we are great. We two competitive guys that go at it. Listen, we all learn from things we do in our business. You got two competitive guys on a on a topic that is very. Uh, everywhere as they say there's no rules in this thing and where it goes and each state has different laws and everything doesn't have great respect for Nick and thing, you know that's unfortunately our thing went public and that's that's sometimes that happens in this world. Nothing's private anymore, is it anyway but no we have great respect for Nick and we all learn from him. we all will learn I, like he said he was learned hopefully I learn from things we do and say and, and we move on from there but have great respect for him in their program like always.
0: So, I, I love the transition. Uh, at one point, you have he's a narcissist. He's a terrible, terrible dude. He's despicable. And then you have, oh, yeah, we're good. Got great respect for Nick. <laughs> Just, um, one thing, this is the funniest thing to me. So, he said, um, you know, unfortunately, ours went public. Um, nothing's private anymore. Is it, well, Jimbo, the reason that it's public is because you called a press conference to talk about it publicly (laughs) like it's it's not a mystery right
1: and it's i mean saban said the whole time whether you agree with him or not he's consistent he doesn't like nil now do some do our players have it yeah they're getting paid for name image and likeness they they have brand sponsorships and all that stuff now um and i think he made a good point he didn't say anybody did anything wrong It's legal to do. And I think where Jimbo Fisher in this last clip was a little misguided is there are rules for it. He's like, there's no rules. Well, there's rules. There there is rules. Um, And we're going to continue to get an evolution of rules because this is new. There's going to be screw ups. There's going to be things that nobody thought of that you're going to have to think about and that are going to come out. And technology is constantly changing. Brand deals, advertisements, always changing. We're going to have to develop even more rules. And yes, different States have some variations on them. And it'll be interesting when the federal government comes out and actually has some, you know, overarching rules, but there are NIL rules, Jimbo. So maybe that that just maybe read them or talk to a SID or something. Um, But I think you have two kind of old school football coaches, one that just fully embraces NIL money and all that stuff. And that makes sense. He's in Texas. Look at his contract. Um, That's, that's his thing. And Nick Saban is, is not that way. Our players, like I said, they do have NIL and and that is what it is, but he's not going to focus on that. Um, And I think maybe the point he was trying to make in one of those clips is that, and we talked about it in our NIL episode, And no matter what people try to say, you know, oh, NIL is going to benefit some players more than others and people disagree that it won't, it will, it's going to benefit some institutions more than others. It's going to benefit certain sports more than others and players more than others. It doesn't matter. That's just the way it is in the moment. Everybody just agrees to that and understands that that's the case and stop trying to put like rose colored glasses on and pretend that, you know, the field hockey, women's field hockey and some super small Northeastern school is going to get the same sponsorship that the quarterback at Alabama is, it's just misguided. and Unless misguided.
0: there's some booster that's just really passionate about yeah, women's the, field hockey.
1: Yeah. Like, you know, the <laughs> owners of the people football. are super big women's field hockey fans. Like it's just not going to happen. So I think that's maybe what he was getting at is there's going to be in programs. It, things are going to be not equal and not, right. not fair and recruiting will get, complicated. And I'm sure for a lot of old coaches, regardless of sport, they are probably very frustrated at the NIL thing because it does complicate their jobs. It does complicate their ability to recruit. Um, and it's, it's going to add a lot of distraction to players. It's going to add, it's going to be convoluted. And as we get into it in these first couple of years, it's going to be even worse. So I get it. Um, and we all know how I feel about Jimbo Fisher and for him to say that he is, he's not a despicable human and he's never lied or covered anything up. Um, I'm always going to look and say James Winston at FSU and I'm never going to let it go I'm waiting and, for that. And I will argue tooth and nail with someone on it. So that's where I'm at.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, for one, am circling that October 8th. I cannot wait to watch. I assume, I don't know. I assume it'll be um, that eight o'clock CBS slot. I hope it is because God, the entire eight. country is going to be watching. Wants to watch, uh, especially after last year. <clears throat> so if
1: things go wrong in the way I don't want to go on October eighth. I'm just going to eat a shoe.
0: I'm going to eat a shoe. Wow, okay. we have that. We have that on on recording. Jesse will eat a shoe. And then, which one is the question? We'll have to figure out what what kind.
1: I'll eat Will Anderson's cleat.
4: Don't want to be here.
0: Oh, gosh. Um, All right. Well, um, that does it for our summaries for each team. Um, We're going to go ahead and get into a new segment called the Speed Round. Speed Round. (laughs) That one was a lot of fun to make. Um, Which? uh, Okay. So we're going to go through three different questions real quick. And basically, you guys are going to just come up with whatever answers just off the top of the head. So let's start with the first one. Jesse, I'll start with you. Which brand new coach will fare the best, Billy Napier or Brian Kelly?
1: In an accent competition, Brian Kelly. Um, Overall, I'm going to say Billy Napier because to me, that culture fits more with him. And I just don't, I I agree with what Grant said. I I don't know the culture fit for Brian Kelly. Okay.
0: Grant?
2: Um, Billy Napier or Brian Kelly? Okay, so I think uh, short term, year one, I think Brian Kelly. Uh, I think long term, Billy Napier. Um, culture fit with Brian Kelly, I don't think it's going to work. Napier is going to do well over time. Um, but so year one, kind of, I think both teams are looking at six and six thereabout. But I think the uh, October fifteenth game of LSU and Florida is actually going to determine which one's going to get bowl eligibility, and that'll kind of answer that question.
0: Yeah, it's really, really difficult to say. I, I, if I had to just off the top, I'd probably say Billy Napier, but there's just, there's so many unknowns with him. I feel like Brian Kelly is more of a tried and true, but still, you don't know how that, like you said, that culture fits going to work out. So um, uh, Matt uh, did put his thoughts on here. He said that he thinks it's going to be Brian Kelly. Uh, he has the pedigree with big programs such as Notre Dame. He thinks Napier is uh, Butch Jones version 2.0. And so he thinks he's going to struggle. So, Um, all right. So question number two, Grant, let's start with you this time. Uh, Which transfer portal player will have the biggest impact for their team?
2: Oh, uh, I'm going to say Jermaine Burton. Um, reason being is because with the addition of Jameer Gibbs, we talked about it earlier, Alabama's backfield is going to be really good. Um, but Burton kind of fills some shoes that James Williams, met you know, we saw not having those in the national championship, how that hurt. And so, uh, bringing in Burton's, uh, good experience target that can create separation alongside, like I said, Kobe Prentice and, uh, Sean Holden. Um, I think that's going to be big for Alabama to kind of spread the options open for, um, uh, Bryce Young. And so, uh, Saban's repeatedly said that Jermaine Burton's got the best hands on the team. So that's my okay. answer.
0: Jesse, transfer portal player, which one's going to have the biggest impact?
1: Well, I like Grant's answer a lot, but I'm going to go with Spencer Rattler. Um, okay. I think that he was a big name for South Carolina to get at that time and really shows their progress as a program, and they were hurting in the quarterback position. I think it's a mutually beneficial um, – agreement, you know, him coming from a place that seems like they hated him at the end um, to a place that is willing and, and ready to welcome a quarterback that they can rally around. I think that's going to be a good situation there. And like we mentioned earlier, he's, he's had some time to grow up. I think that um, Beaver's the, the coach there that can really help mold him and mentor him. So if he can do that, I think he's, he's going to be a big player there.
0: Uh, Matt agrees. He thinks Spencer Rattler is going to make some noise down in Columbia. Might be the piece that was missing to get SC over the top. Um, I'm going to go a little bit different route, and I'm going to go with uh, Jackson Dart. Um, so you know, Kiffin's a big quarterback guy, um, and I, I just I see that going well. I, I don't know for whatever reason. I just have a feeling that that's going to work out well, um, and that he'll he'll impact uh, Ole Miss down there. Um, all right. So our final question, um, Jesse, to start with you this time, which team do you think is a dark horse in the sec?
1: Oh gosh. Um, okay. Word vomit. It's just, it's just, it's coming out. It's the first team that came to my mind. So this is the speed round. I'm just going to say it. he's Kentucky. Okay. I think, I think 10 games last season's a big deal for them. And I think it's something they're only going to build on. Well, Levis has had a chance to get in the groove and start to settle in there. He's found his home there. And I think that they may be a real contender in the East.
0: Okay. Grant.
2: Um, I'm going to go with Arkansas here. I think, uh, like I said, KJ Jefferson's one of the best quarterbacks in the conference, um, even though they lost Traylon Burks, um, you know, Pittman's already said that they've got the depth of wide receiver, unlike they've had before defense should be better. Um, uh, let's see, they're two running backs, Sanders and Johnson. They're both 500-yard uh, rushers from last season on top of K.J. Jefferson. Um, so, they're back. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to say Dark Horses Arkansas.
0: Okay. Uh, Matt says he doesn't want to sound like a homer, but I legit think Tennessee is going to, be, is going to surprise some folks. Uh, Hooker's made some progress, according to the rumor mill. Defense has gotten some reinforcement. I fully believe UT could sneak up on somebody. So that's what he has to say. Um, I don't, gosh, I don't know if I just had to just grab a team out of the sky. I, I probably would go with Arkansas too, just because I think that, I don't know, I think they got a good thing going over there. Um we, We've seen, like we've talked about KJ Jefferson has just continued to, to develop. He has grit, as you said, Jesse, and it's true. He really does. Um, And as uh, a good leader on that team. So I would it, granted they're in a tough division and that's the problem um yeah. is being in the west but um but i could see them uh, upsetting some people maybe not bama but some some people um all right um da, 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 yeah so that's all we got for that one let's uh let's talk about a couple of the uh, listener feedback uh comments uh that we had
2: you want answers i want the truth you can't handle the truth
0: All right, so we talked about uh, expectations. What do people expect to see um, on our Instagram? And Seth Barron says he expects to see chaos this year in SEC. So uh, uh, you you might say more of the same in that regard. (laughs) This is just chaos every year, it seems. Um, Jody Hendricks says Mississippi State wins nine games this year. And I thought that one was interesting. Uh, Did you guys have any thoughts on whether or not – Mississippi state can make it to nine wins. I don't think so. You don't think so. No. I was looking at their schedule and schedule. It's, it's going to be tough.
1: <laughs> it, it's a loss to Georgia. Um, it's a loss to Alabama. I, I would say probably to A&M. And I could even put a, a loss at Old Miss or Kentucky in there. I, I just don't know. I, I'm not confident
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I, I'm going to go under nine games as well. I don't think that that's, I don't think they can do that this year. I mean, I, I think they're rolling in the right direction, but just given that schedule, I don't think so. Hey, what do you think, Grant?
2: Um, I, know I you, can see them hitting, uh, Yeah, you know, I'm high on Mississippi State. I think uh, they're a lot better than people are thinking. Um, I think they're going to gel a little bit more uh, and leashes what third year. So um, I think nine, maybe with the bowl game, you know, I'm looking at eight, looking at their schedule. Cause like I said, I mean, they were just a few eight points away from winning 10 games last season. So, I mean, could they do it? Yes. Could they surprise some people? Yes. I know Jesse came out. She said, Georgia, that's a loss. I'm not saying it's a loss. I'm just saying, but uh, I'm not saying it's a win either, but um, in any case, I mean, yeah, I, I could see them getting, uh, of getting eight as their ceiling so we'll say nine with the bowl game
0: okay all right and then finally we have uh janet russell says i may be a little biased but the crimson tide will win the sec no doubt
1: okay.
0: um as I say jesse i knew you'd say that um i can't argue with that really like i said i, th- I think if kind of talked about it at length earlier it's i i i mean they're, they're gonna be good you said it too grant i mean it's on paper, there they are going to be the dominant team. It looks to be anyway. So, do you have anything else to
2: add, Grant? No, I mean, really, I think that both sides, the East and the West. I mean, Georgia and Alabama. I think going into the season, are going to be your heavy favorites. Um, but yeah, like Jesse kind of pointed out again, we you know, Saban's ticked off after last year, and uh, Georgia is going to be good, Bama's is going to be good, but Bama's is going to be a different level of good, I think. So yeah, agreed. All right, well, um,
0: let's go ahead. Um, we've talked about a lot of stuff, and now it's time to talk about the upcoming games.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get
4: ready to rumble! All
0: right, so uh, actually, I, I did want to start off this segment. It's not an upcoming game, but uh, there was one game that has happened already in the SEC, and that was uh, Vanderbilt at Hawaii um that was uh last saturday august the 27th and the reason some of you may have missed it was it happened at 10:30 in hawaii of course so um obviously vanderbilt's played their opener already but uh as far as the game goes uh that vandy rushing attack my gosh over 400 uh over 400 yards on the ground uh the defense scored twice on fumble returns like it, it was a little bit of a slow start and i was thinking uh It's kind of of more of the same. I don't really know what to think about Vandy. Um, And then they just poured on the points. It was just insane. Um, Mike Wright, like we mentioned before, a true dual threat, two passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. Uh, And get this, guys, with 63 points, Vanderbilt, as of the time of this recording, is the nation's top scoring offense in the country
1: (laughs) hold on to it vandy
0: (laughs) right it's it's the small victories right but
1: make shirts and what a what a fun game to go play in hawaii
0: right i mean just chilling in hawaii watching your team i mean that's kind of a win regardless right (laughs) that's awesome so um uh granted you have any thoughts on that game
2: no we've kind of uh touched on, on vandy before but yeah i'm just you know like they've already had their win total from last season. They just need to carry this momentum into this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: Jess, did you have anything else on that one? No. All right. Let's have this. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. just ride, ride the moment. Uh, ball, right. The uh, so as far as upcoming games go, uh, ball state Cardinals are at Tennessee. That is this Thursday, uh, September the 1st at seven o'clock on sec network. Um, so, uh, ESPN's FPI gives Tennessee a 95% chance of winning this. (laughs) Who am I to disagree? Uh, I have the Vols winning this one, uh, 49 to 17. Jesse, Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you and ESPN on this one. I think what a, what a lovely way to start the season with a win. I've got the volunteers 42 to 21.
2: All right. Um, Grant. Uh so yeah I've got the balls rolling big uh 52 to 17.
0: All right and then um Matt says uh Tennessee rolls big here 63 to 21. And I neglected to mention because I just added my score in there that um for years I've given my score first and I think that's really unfair. So I'm going to switch it up um and we'll start with Jesse then Matt and then I'll go last. So um Let's talk about uh, Louisiana Tech Bulldogs at Missouri. That's also Thursday night, September the first, at eight o'clock on ESPNU. So, um, yeah. So, um, ESPN's FPI they give uh, Mizzou a seventy-seven percent chance percent chance of winning this game. Jesse, what are your thoughts?
1: I again, mediocrity is my thought. Um, so, I'm going to go with a mediocre score. I think the Tigers pull it off 28 to 13.
2: All right. Uh, Grant. Uh, So, Louisiana Tech, they played Mississippi State to the wire in the opener last year. Uh, So, I think they cover the spread this year uh, 31 to 17, Missouri.
0: All right. Um, And then uh, Matt has Mizzou winning 28 to 10. Um, I have uh, Mizzou 41 to 21. Mm Um, All right. Oops, that is not what I said. All right. um, Next, we have the Sam Houston Bearcats at Texas A&M Saturday, September the 3rd at noon on SEC Network. Um, Let's see. Trying to look at some of the stats on this. Oh, yeah, I just put my thoughts on the score. I didn't give a whole lot of FPI. I mean, I think you guys kind of know what's up here. Jesse, what do you got?
1: I've unfortunately got Texas A&M winning 42 to
2: 13. All right, Grant. Uh, I think A-Chain has a field day out there. A&M wins 48 to seven.
0: All right. um, I got uh, A&M 63 to three. um, And I think that those, uh, those, uh, those three points for Sam Houston to come in when, uh, A&M is in their third and fourth string. So, <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about, uh, Cincinnati at Arkansas. Sat- Saturday, September the 3rd at three 30 on ESPN. All right. So now this one's a little bit more interesting. FPI gives Arkansas a 60% chance of winning this one. Um, look out for Cincinnati um, they got into the playoff last year and although they got demolished by Alabama, <laughs> they're still, they're, they're, trying to build on that positive uh, success. Right. So, uh, they did lose a lot on the draft, dep- uh, especially on the defensive side. Uh, so might open some doors for Arkansas. Jesse, what do you got?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, they, they were a playoff contender and they are not playing Alabama this weekend. They're playing Arkansas who, while on the rise, I think it will be. Uh, a good game to watch. So I am going to pick the Razorbacks thirty-one to twenty-one.
2: Okay, Grant. Yeah, uh, this is not a Desmond Ritter-led Cincinnati team. I do think Fickle will have a good game plan for the game, um, but I think Arkansas is just going to be too big and too tough on the line. It's going to wear them down over time. Uh, so I put 38-24 Arkansas, and Arkansas is going to kind of seal the score, uh, seal with a late score, 38-24.
0: Okay. Um, I do have, uh, Arkansas winning this one, uh, 31 to 24. Um, so, uh, Matt has been putting scores in here too. He's got Arkansas 28 to 24. in this one, did I read his, what was the last one that I, I, I read? Tennessee rolls. I get that one. Yeah.
1: I don't uh, think you read Texas A&M. I think you read yeah.
0: everything. A&M for him was, uh, Texas A&M 45, 14. He says both scores for Sam Houston come in the fourth quarter. So, all right. Um, All right. Now let's talk about Oregon at Georgia An intriguing matchup. Um, Jesse, what are your thoughts on this one?
1: I want to see how uh, Bo Nix plays when he's not at Auburn. And if it's any better, which I honestly don't think it will be, but I still think that like we mentioned, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Georgia. I think they're, they're going to need to settle themselves a little bit. So Oregon might get a couple scores early, but then I think Georgia finishes them out. So I'm picking the Bulldogs 32 to 17.
2: Okay. Grant, what you got? Uh, I think that Dan Lanning being familiar with Georgia is going to help a little bit, uh, but I still think that Georgia is going to be having roasted duck for dinner. Uh, I've got Georgia winning 34 to 13.
0: All right. Um, Matt has Georgia uh, 35 to 14. Um, So, FPI has Georgia 92% chance of winning this one, but you, uh, you can't underestimate them. Um, and it's, like you said, especially with a guy who's familiar with UGA and Dan Lanning, um, Bo Nix, uh, wild card. Uh, so really no way to really kind of predict that or, or talk about that. Um, I do think ultimately it's a, it's a tough welcome for Dan Lanning though. I got the dogs winning, uh, 34 to 17. um, Let's see, 34 17. And then uh next we have the Troy Trojans at Ole Miss. Oh, Matt
1: also picked UGA 35 to 14.
0: Oh, did I not say that? Sorry. No, that's good. Okay. Uh, Troy Trojans at Ole Miss four o'clock on SEC network. Um, all right, Jesse, what do you have for this one?
1: I have Ole Miss taking this one, despite the fact that Troy has given some SEC teams some problems in the past. Um, I think they'll get uh, a score, you know, well, they'll get some, but I think Ole Miss will settle in and um I'm picking them 38 to 10.
2: Okay. Grant, what you got? Uh so I've got Ole Miss 45 to 24. I do think Troy will put up a little bit of uh a, a little bit of a fight in the first half, score some points on a kind of a weaker Ole Miss D, even though they are getting better, like we talked about. Uh and plus, you know, Ole Miss, they play with four downs to Troy's three. I mean, you can't, <laughs> they can't go wrong. So that's true. It's poor
0: Troy. Uh, and there you go. Uh, Matt has Ole Miss uh, winning forty-five to ten. Uh, look, uh, I've, I've got basically the same. Um, you know, obviously Ole Miss big favorite in this one, um, and they win forty-one to seventeen. Um, next, we have Mercer at Auburn. Um, our our very own Mercer Bears from here local. Uh, seven o'clock on ESPN Plus. Um, Jesse, what are your what are your thoughts on this one?
1: Not a lot. Um, I'm picking the Tigers, uh, Auburn Tigers at 31 to 13.
2: Grant. I've got Auburn winning 41 to 10. I wrote Boring Game. Finley is serviceable. <laughs> we'll see a little Calzada. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I, I looked at the uh, FPI for each one of these. There's basically a 100% chance for Auburn winning this game. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say that they win uh, 41 to 17. Matt has them. Uh, 38 to 13. Um, so there we go. Um, and then we have the Utah Utes, which makes me think of this always.
4: The two Utes. Uh, uh, to what? What is a Ute?
0: Um, yes.
1: Of- is a classic. If you've never seen it, go watch it right now.
0: It is. It is. And for those of you who are wondering, it is um, the uh, Native Americans for whom the state of Utah is named the Utes. So that's fun fun trivia there. All right. So Utah Utes at Florida, seven o'clock ESPN. Jesse, what are your thoughts on this game?
1: This one's probably going to be a lot closer than any Florida fan is comfortable with, Um, but they've got to start somewhere. Napier's got to get in there and, it's gonna take more than one game. I do think the Gators pull it out, but it's a close one, 28 to 21.
2: All right. Grant, what do you what do you think? Yeah, you know, I talked about it earlier. Um, I, I'm really high on Utah this year for whatever reason. I don't know. I like Kyle Whittingham, but uh I think Napier's gonna start his tenure with a loss to an underrated Utah team. Utah is gonna pull it out in the swamp 31 to 27.
0: Are you gonna is this kind of like Wisconsin for you a few years ago? You're gonna get a Utah mug maybe here or- yeah, I got it. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it.
2: I was having a crisis, okay.
0: <laughs> you know, we do we do what we must. Um, all right. Well, speaking of, you know, crazy stuff, Matt has Utah winning this one 28 to 27. So look at look at Matt. Great minds um, think alike, brother. There you go. Um so I have and let's see. Like like we've been talking about. I think this is a tough one for Billy Napier to start his Florida coaching career fpi is basically split down the middle um utah is going to try to play a tough physical game uh, as is kind of their identity i know it's a different conference but whatever uh that's going to be something napier is wanting for his own squad uh that tough physical play uh i'm going to say florida wins 27 to 24 uh but i could see the gators opening with a tough loss Uh, not to say that they won't be successful but it's just a tough opener right so um so 27 24 florida um but I am excited to watch that one should be, should be a good one. I think um, next we have uh, Miami of Ohio Redhawks at Kentucky seven o'clock on ESPN plus uh, Jesse, what are your thoughts on this game?
1: I am going to have to say Miami of Ohio might start with a touchdown or so. I'm not super convinced. I'm thinking touchdown field goal. And then uh, Kentucky starts to settle in. So I'm picking the Wildcats 28 to 10.
2: Okay. Uh Grant, what have what do you got? I've got Kentucky 3513. This is gonna be a kind of like the Mercer Auburn game.
0: Okay. Uh Matt has them 20 to 3, so kind of more of the same. Um, I think uh yeah, I've got basically the, something similar. Um yeah, I don't uh, I don't think this Miami team has enough in the tank uh to hang with them. I got UK winning uh forty-two to twenty-one. Um, All right. There's the uh, next game is the Elon Phoenix located in Elon, North Carolina, in case you were wondering, at Vanderbilt, uh, seven o'clock on ESPN Plus. Jesse, your thoughts on this one?
1: I think their winning streak continues. Uh, (laughs) Andy gets it 38 to six.
0: All right. Grant your thoughts. Yeah.
2: anchored down. <laughs> I'm on board with, uh, Jesse here. I think the number one offense in the country just keeps rolling. Uh, <laughs> I've got them blasting Elon 52 to seven.
1: Yes.
2: All right. And, uh, Matt says, who the hell is Elon Phoenix? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, he has uh Vandy winning this one 48 to 21. Um, yeah, they need Vanderbilt needs to take advantage of this matchup. I think, uh, FPI has got him an 87% chance to win. Uh, might be sloppy as they figure things out, but I mean, you know, I don't see this game being a ton different from the Hawaii game, honestly. I think it's kind of more of the same. I got them, uh, according to the experts, they think it's going to be a little bit closer. I'm going to go Vandy 21 to 14. Hey, but
2: if Elon did win, it'd be like the most Vandy thing ever. You <laughs> Wouldn't know, it get out the gate with this epic <laughs> yeah. win. And then yeah.
1: Elon would be like, we can play in the SEC. Jesse, yeah. do, you,
0: do you remember a few years ago when Vandy started the season 3-0? Or yeah. Maybe it was 4-0. and And they, they had, wanted Bama? They, they had Bama and their player was like, Alabama, you're next. And that's how he said it too. I don't even remember who it was.
1: <laughs> and but it was a very rough next week for them.
0: It was because, I mean, number one, you just don't say that. And then uh, number two is just inviting disaster when you do that. So, um, all right. So, uh, speaking of Alabama, Utah State Aggies at Alabama, seven thirty on SEC Network. Jesse, your thoughts on this one?
1: And I had to. I don't even know where Utah State's located. I mean, obviously in Utah, but I couldn't <laughs> what place. It's in out Utah. there. It's somewhere in Utah. Um, so I'm going to go with my tide, fifty-one to thirteen.
2: Okay, Grant. Yeah, I've got Bama rolling forty-five to six. I put Saban doing Saban things. He'll call off the dogs sometime in the third. So,
0: yeah, uh, Grant has Bama. Grant Matt has Bama winning forty-eight to ten. Sorry, all these names flying around. Anyway, um, so while Bama might want to go ahead and play the Aggies of Texas A and M, they're going to have to settle for the Utah State variety for their opener. Um, And I think it's going to be an absolute beatdown. Bama uh, fifty-two to ten uh honestly that's probably a merciful score i think um so yeah it should be should be a blowout um all right next we have the memphis tigers at mississippi state 7 30 on espnu um jesse what do you got
1: memphis has given them trouble in the past um so okay. it's i'm not they're not gonna lose but I'm going to pick uh, Mississippi State 35 to 13 so I think I think Memphis scores scores just a little bit in this one
0: okay um, Grant what do you got
2: yeah I'm kind of in the same boat there Jesse uh you know season openers for leach have been a little shaky in the past and uh, but the thing is this isn't the same you know Mike Norville Memphis team so I've got Mississippi State winning 31 to 17
0: okay Matt has Mississippi State 38 to 13. Um, I think the air raid may have a little bit of a slow start. You know, obviously first game of the season, but eventually they kind of get rolling in the second half. Um, I have uh, Mississippi State. Um, what do I have? I have them winning thirty-eight to twenty-one. Thirty-eight to twenty-one. All right. So um, next we have Georgia State Panthers at South Carolina, seven thirty on ESPN Plus. Um, Jesse, what is your prediction?
1: I'm interested to see the South Carolina team. Uh, I yeah. think starting against Georgia state will be a nice way to ease into it with Spencer Rattler. So I think that the Gamecocks are going to come out and win this one decently. So I'm going with South Carolina, 31 to 10.
2: All right, Grant. Oh, Georgia state, man, that brings back some painful memories. Um <laughs> I don't think the same thing is going to happen to South Carolina as what happened to us uh, on August 31st, 2018. Um, (laughs) But in any case, uh, I've got South Carolina winning 31 to 13, Rattler and company playing Beamer ball that they're going to look good. Okay. Uh,
0: Matt has South Carolina winning this one 35 to 10. Um, I agree. I think uh, we're going to catch a glimpse of what this new South Carolina offense is capable of. I got uh, South Carolina winning 35 to 21. Um, All right, and then the final game of the week uh, is actually going to be Sunday, September 4th. That is Florida State versus LSU uh, at 7.30 from Caesars Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, Jesse, what are your predictions for this one?
1: Florida State's been trash, hot trash. LSU is a huge question mark for me as well. Um, So I think we might, see a little bit of football. Um, I'm going to go with LSU at 28 to 17.
0: Okay. Grant, what are your, what are you thinking on this one?
2: I think that just is a, being a little too hard on Florida state. Now I'm no uh, Seminole fan, but um, I do think that they started showing signs of life and improvement towards the back half of last season. I think they continue that momentum moving forward. But uh, like you said, LSU does have a ton of question uh, marks, but they still do have a lot of talent on the team quarterback for LSU. I don't know, but I still think LSU pulls it out, uh 24 to 21.
0: Okay. Uh Matt has LSU winning this one 28 to 20. Uh, look, I'm I'm really intrigued by this matchup. These are two big programs. Uh they're trying to rebuild. Uh, although FSU I think has a little bit longer road, I think. Um LSU has the talent. And, I, you know, only a couple of years removed from a championship. We, like, we forget that it wasn't that long ago they were on top of the world. It's not like they don't know how to win there. Um, I think uh, Brian Kelly will get a pretty good win in the Superdome in his first game as LSU's head coach. Uh, I got LSU in a close one, 27-24. Uh, to 24. Um, All right. Well, that does it for last week's games. So uh, excited to finally watch uh, besides Vandy Hawaii to finally watch some SEC football. It's going to be good. Um, So that brings us to our just for fun segment. And uh, it's a fun one this week. I mean, it's, you know, always fun, but a little bit extra Um, in honor of Bryant Denny stadium, approving alcohol sales. What would each coach order at a bar? So, uh, Jesse, I'd like to start with you and Mark Stoops. What is he ordering when he goes into a bar?
1: No doubt in my mind, he only goes to whiskey bars and he is ordering a double Pappy Van Winkle (laughs) meat.
0: All right. (laughs) All right. I like that one. Uh, Kirby Smart.
1: Kirby Smart is always extraordinarily jazzed at all points in time and is just like a little firecracker. So he's getting a vodka Red Bull.
0: That checks out. That checks out. Uh Sam Pittman. Twisted tea. <laughs> I love he it.
1: Drinks twisted teas. <laughs> and if they don't have him at the bar, he brings his own.
0: Right. He just brings his own. Yeah. Um, Brian Harson.
1: Brian Harson, because he just seems like a pain. Um, mm-hmm. and this is a drink that every bartender hates to make. And also he lives in the middle of cow country. So he is drinking a white Russian.
0: Oh, all right. That's nice. And then uh, Mike Leach.
1: Mike Leach has to drink something. That seems a little pirate-esque. So he's got to have some rum. So Mike Leach is going to drink a dark and stormy. Nice.
0: Very good. Um, yeah, and and maybe as a second, maybe like some Captain Morgan, maybe. I don't know. The mojito um, guy.
1: Yeah, he's a big mojito guy. <laughs> I can definitely see
0: there you go. just drinking yeah, like Malibu straight you
1: know. out of the bottle. Like. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I love it. All right, um, so uh, we're gonna do Grant. We're gonna get yours, and then I'll I'll get Matt's also. So you have uh, Eli Drinkwitz first. What do you got?
2: Okay, so Eli Drinkwitz, I definitely peg as a wine guy, um, and I, I I kind of thought about this when I saw it, and I was kind of torn between red and white, and I really spent a lot of time pondering that one, but I ended up settling on a, like a Pinot Grigio for Eli Drinkwitz. I think you have this nice little wine goblet ready to go. <laughs> All so- right. Is it a um, wine club? <laughs> yeah, probably. M- Matt
0: says uh, for Eli Drinkwitz, he's going to do the uh, scotch and water. Hold the scotch. <laughs> said said with crap eating grin. <laughs> Stop giving me drinky, he says. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a wine and book club. Thank you. <laughs> there you go.
1: Yes. They just finished like where the crawdad sing. Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's it.
0: All right. Um, Brian Kelly.
2: So Brian Kelly, I've got him pegged as like a rum and coke guy. Uh, one of those guys at the bar has a lot of money, kind of hits on the bartender, you know, whatever. A rum and coke guy. Yeah. Sort of thing. With this little cocktail straw. Stick
3: out. <laughs> uh,
0: Matt has blank. Apparently he's just was at a loss for Brian Kelly. He, who knows? He's he's an enigma. Um, <laughs> let's go. Let's go with uh, Billy Napier. What do you got?
2: So I think uh, Billy Napier is kind of a classy guy. So I picked him with like a double bourbon on the rocks, you know, nothing fancy, just getting the job done. Okay. Uh,
0: Matt has him as a red wine. He strikes me as the wine type.
2: He could be a wino. Yeah. He can hang out with drinkwits.
0: There you go. And then uh,
2: Lane Kiffin. (laughs) Whatever's cheap for Lane. Okay. So like uh, (laughs) Path Blue Ribbon, Natty Light, Bush Light, whatever they drink at frat parties and stuff. Uh, and it's funny cause I saw Matt's answers pop in and we had like the same thing written down I was mm-hmm. getting great minds.
0: Yep. He said, Natty light as well. The official beer of the Ole Miss frat party. So, <laughs> sir. Uh, Not
1: wrong.
2: All right. Clark Lee. Yeah. So Clark Lee, I think he just a brass tacks kind of guy. You know, I think he's just drinking water. Um, he's just focused on Vanderbilt being, uh, the best in the country. Um, you know, he's just focusing on, on that weekend over Elon, <laughs> there you the go. Phoenix, <laughs> That's it. And he's um, just getting water. Yep. <laughs>
0: um, Yeah. Matt has Clark Lee as a Pepsi. He's a Pepsi kind of guy. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: He just doesn't seem like a drinker, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. Because um, was in
1: Nashville, which is just right. All drinking. Well,
2: right. in hindsight, he did say Vanderbilt was going to be the best team in the country. So uh, maybe, maybe he's a drinker. Yeah. He's on the sauce maybe. already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's doing something. The devil's yeah. lettuce. Who knows? <laughs> That's it. <laughs>
0: Um, all right. So I had Josh Heipel and uh, he's an Oklahoma alumni, but he's in Tennessee now. So he's going, I think he's going to go with the most popular Tennessee whiskey, Jack Daniels. When he's feeling a little cel- celebratory, he'll mix in some Coke with that. Um, I got uh, for, uh, for Shane Beamer. I have nothing to back this up, but in my mind, Shane has always thought that Beam was close enough to Beamer. So he drinks Jim Beam. He's kind of edgy, though, so he drinks the Devil's Cut.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, I hope it's not the White Label.
0: (laughs) No. So, um, all right, so you're going to like this one, Jesse. So Nick Saban. So there is a beer called the Oatmeal Cream Pie from Pigeon Hill Brewing Company. It's an American, for those who don't know, it's an American brown ale that many say tastes very close to an actual oatmeal cream pie. Um, I feel like this is exactly what Saban would end his day with at a bar. Like, his day ends in much the same way it begins yep. <laughs> just with a brown ale spin to it instead of a little debbie snack um <clears throat> all right i want to try that
1: now
0: right yeah it's I'm, I'm intrigued um jimbo fisher so Jimbo's from west virginia so we're just going to go with straight up moonshine <laughs> or you know any, who else
1: is from west virginia who's that make oh sure.
0: well, there Uncle you go daddy it's the connections are endless there. So, uh, if not it's any bar he can find that carries something close to that. So, uh, the only thing more entertaining than Nick Saban or Jimbo Fisher in a bar would be Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher at the bar together. <laughs> the, the the tension um, would really be. they
1: respect each other. Remember.
0: Oh yeah, that's we're yeah got the greatest respect for Nick and yeah. Um, all right, so cool. Well, I, I quite enjoyed that. That was a, that was a lot of fun. So. Um, that does it for this like supersized version of Pigskins and Pageantry. Uh, thanks, Grant, for uh, hey. filling the, the shoes of Vols Vol fans everywhere. Um, if uh, if you guys would like to contact us, uh, please uh, do so. Uh, you can uh, you can check us out on TikTok at Pigskins and Pageantry. Yes, we are on TikTok, um, Instagram at Pigskins and Pageantry, Facebook also at Pigskins and Pageantry, Twitter at PPSEC Podcast. Uh, Don't forget, we are available for download on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and most podcasting apps for iPhone, Android, and other operating systems. If you guys enjoyed the show, would love for you to subscribe, leave us a review. Five stars would be great. We greatly appreciate that. Uh, So, yeah, we're about to get into it. Can't wait to watch this uh, first full week of games. Uh, Until next time, uh, this is Wes. Go Dogs.
1: It's finally here y'all. I cannot wait. Roll Tide.
2: Yes sir. Been waiting a long time for this y'all. Let's go Vols. Go Big Orange. We're back, baby. That's Let's it. go.